This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics. This is a 40k podcast which focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, the one, the only Mr. PD Pob, and with me I have three absolute legends. Oh, all of them are legendary for a completely different reason. First one is Mr. Val Heffelfinger. Ahoy, ahoy. Uh, and then the second person is the Brown Magic himself. Top Hello, three ITC amigos. player. Nick Nottavati. Hello. And then finally, back from the dead, the one, the only, John Lennon. Hey, howdy. He loves that bit. That's his favorite bit. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Every time. Has anyone else ever told that joke before? Not even Never. Ever. Everyone. But uh, John Lennon, Nick Nottavati, great to have you guys on. You're both top 10 ITC players. Actually, Oh, I haven't looked at the rankings lately. John Lennon, you you you're a top ten. I you were like a you were up in the top ten at one point this year. I don't know if you're still <laughs> in the top ten. I was at one point. That is true. You you were Are you, you were not one anymore. Point, yeah. I don't I don't know. He probably fell off. It's it's it, at the end of the season. I stopped paying attention to everyone below Jim end, Vessel and Richard Siegler. End of the season. <laughs> end of the seasons when right. I stopped paying attention to everyone but Richard Siegler and. Jim Vessel, so I don't know who's on there. I think Nick Navati's on there too. Anyways, somewhere, somewhere, TJ Lanigan is screaming into a pillow. <laughs> John but, Lennon is fifth. You dick. <laughs> I knew he was up there. Anyways, we could have made this whole joke about top five. Pablo just screwed it up again. <laughs> it's, it's what I do. I've been doing this, you know, for 150 plus episodes now. Anyway, I got to find new ways watch to screw it. it up. However, I brought these two on because they are two competitors. At the LVO, there are two people whose lists will be scrutinized. Every move they make on stream will be hyper-analyzed by our crack shot amazing team, led by Mr. Val Heffelfinger. That's right. And so, we're going to talk about the lists that have gone live over the weekend. We're going to talk about the Las Vegas Open, some cool stories that we're looking forward to. And we're also going to introduce you to a new way to enjoy competitive 40k in the form of 40k fantasy sports and games not to be confused with warhammer fantasy no not at all totally the first first time i actually reached out to uh, adam from the best general i was like hey do you want to do a 40k fantasy league and he's like like 40k and fantasy combined like warhammer fantasy and i was like oh i gotta explain it to him Uh, but he's an eagles fan i thought he would get it right away however if that is something that interests you 
there it will absolutely be a template put on the frontlinegaming.org website soon as soon as i have time to write up an article and put that up there so that you and your buddies can draft the las vegas open and that template will have everything you need to start plus a, an entire updated roster of the lvo complete with factions and the players being sorted by their itc points for the season so richard Siegel will be on top and then if you don't know who to draft you just draft the next highest person on that list so you're guaranteed to get someone with a bunch of ITC points at the very least. For those of you who don't keep up with, basically for everyone who isn't Peter the Falcon. So, first thing on the menu, Patreon. If you'd like to support the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. We're giving away a Forge World thing this month. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be exclusive. It's going to be cool. Also, patrons get access to special cool things. This month, they're also going to ha- be a part of a special Patreon-only fantasy draft for the LVO. I've already got 14 patrons. We're all drafting away. It should be a great time. Also, go to FrontlineGaming.org if you want to buy any of the tabletop goodies. You're going to see a lot of awesome ITC terrain, FLG mats, and so much more if you watch the stream at the LVO. So if you want to pick up any of that merchandise, go to FrontlineGaming.org. And that is it. All right. 40K Fantasy. Val, in a nutshell, you're so much better at explaining what a fantasy is to uh, everyone Ooh. who doesn't play fantasy sports. Oh, well, words, words. Use them better. <laughs> no, I want to hear about Val's is. fantasy. Well, mm. well, you know, you know. Oh, I get it. Ah, fantasy. <laughs> when when your desires do not meet the reality that surrounds you, you are living in a fantasy. Mm-hmm. But uh, when it relates to fantasy sports, uh, it's very, very simple. You uh, get together with a group of your favorite internet friends, and then you, uh, you draft up a team. Um, essentially, you, uh, everyone gets to draft or pick five players, let's say. In this case, the players who are playing in the LVL. You'll go around in a circle, just like in gym class. Everyone picks a player until uh, everyone's done picking. And then, during the LVL, those actual players will play and win and score points and do well in the tournament or not and then the person at the end of the day who picked the best five people with the best five scores wins the fantasy league and for some reason people love it absolutely it really helped uh take off a lot of the you know bigger like the nfl got really more popular when fantasy sports became a big deal there and a lot of people participate every year and it's something that uh nick Donavati and i um were super excited about last year and a lot of people as well and uh, we decided to, you know, jump right into it and keep it going. And I know, and I know that you know you've been you've been kind of branding this as a new new thing, but I I, I would say people have been been uh, dabbling in this format a little bit. I participated last year in one of these leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's hilarious and awesome that uh, 40k has this going on. I think it really works well at the tournament level, especially. So you do a draft, um, you do a draft every uh, for every tournament. There's a podcast Stutter Scrub, which is which is uh, recorded out here in Ontario and they do a draft for every GT every weekend and it's fantastic. Well, not every GT, but the, the biggest GT in the neighborhood every weekend. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And that it is absolutely a lot of fun. Uh, you get to trash talk your buddies. Uh, you get to, you know, live vicariously at the top tables through these players that are significantly better than you. Um, I.e. the Pablo experience experience that every week on this podcast. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, we actually are a part of a uh, kind of like a celebrity league, uh, Val, Nick Navadi, and myself, um, that we put together. We have a 
11 people in the league, 11 coaches or owners. Uh, and then we just, we're just drafting away. And uh, John Lennon, you've also been a part of drafts. Although, as you said earlier um, before the podcast, you're not a part of any fantasy league this year. Uh, but do you think it's something you might look into in the future of the year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not in one right now just as a time constraint, honestly. Um, I was looking at one earlier, but the I think the draft was just on a day where I just absolutely wasn't going to be free. And rather than try to rearrange it, I dropped from it. Um, I'm honestly, I've been putting so much time into painting my army that I haven't really been looking for a draft actively this year. So I am living vicariously through Colin Sherman as he is in your draft. And I'm just advising him on his picks because the draft process is awesome and fun. And I really like just kind of make the picks like that. Absolutely. So I should put in here Colin Sermon slash John Lennon. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, anyways, uh, we so we this is actually going right now. And uh, Adam Camilleri just put in his pick live Ooh, uh, who did for draft? his 10th pick. He we, drafted well, hold Mr. on. Do we want to do we want to like run down oh, the, yeah, the let, pick so far? Yes, yeah, so let's do a rundown. So every uh, the people in the the league are Mr. Steven Box, uh, Rishius from uh, Signals from the Frontline, uh, Peter the Falcon, uh, Adam Solis. Do we want to before? Hold on, Paula. Do we want to also mention where every person is from and why they've been chosen? So, yeah, let's do that. In case you don't know, actually, let's, let's do that. That's a, so Steven Box is uh, was pick number one, first pick, and he is of course the person who runs Vanguard Tactics. Uh, they, if it's particularly if you're unfamiliar with Vanguard Tactics, he is the person who did the video of uh, my my opponent who got the yellow card at the London GT video, which blew up and really popular. It talked about uh, opened up a conversation about judging and and tolerance and good sportsmanship, bad sportsmanship, all that good stuff. It was, it was a really good video. Steven Box is on. He just started a new podcast as well, 40K. I think it's called The Competitive 40K Podcast. It was right on the nose. I wonder what it's about. <laughs> Uh, but he is number. He picked it first. He went with his boy Manny Chima. No surprise at all. Manny Chima is a phenomenal player. He's actually running master classes at the LVO on Thursday. If you're interested in signing up for that, uh, he he's since I started learning about players in the UK scene, he's always one person that's constantly come up as one of the best players in the UK uh, consistently. So no surprise, he went number one. Second place, Rhys Reese picked someone who, even though he won last year, um, a lot of people have been kind of thinking of as a little bit of a dark horse, just because he decided to stick with his same faction. And that's uh, Reese picked Mr. Brandon Grant, um, which is not an awful pick by any means. Um, but Brandon Grant at number two, uh, to me, is does feel a little bit high. What do you guys think? In the fantasy business, we would call that a homer pick. That is a homer pick. Yes, uh, meaning it's it's Basically, a safe he's a, pick he's that Reese is familiar with, right? Uh, I love the pick as a player. Um, obviously, it's Brandon Grant, but it feels like drafting um, a really good quarterback who doesn't have a team or wide receivers, mm, or yeah, or, or just like drafting your favorite quarterback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Reese and Brandon are tight. I respect you sticking with your friends and sticking with your guns, especially your champion from last year. But uh, I think Brandon himself has said. That he has not put the time in this year that he needed to to win it. But, you know, he's a phenomenal player, so I would not count him out prematurely. I also right love on. his list so much. We talk about it in the interview with him on Stat Center, and it's 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 awesome. Oh, we'll, we'll have to go over this list a little bit if you're, but if you're interested, 40K Stat Center probably did a deep dive on that and their their player profiles. So, the all second right. Second best 40K podcast. <laughs> uh, and then Peter the Falcon. 
picked Mr. John Lennon on this podcast. Uh, John, what do you think about this pick? Um, you know, I feel flattered, and obviously I have to say that I'm totally going to win LVO. But eh, it might be a little bit of a stretch, but I appreciate the confidence. Hmm. I don't think so. I think I think uh, John Lennon at three is fine. I mean, there's it's not a head scratcher. I would have expected you to go in the first round or maybe early second round. So, uh, and then uh, next we have Mr. Adam Solis, who is one of the senior judges at the Las Vegas Open, um, co-host, co-senior judge of the TFG Radio podcast. He's been around the 40K competitive community forever. Uh, he knows everyone. It's played in every edition. Um, he's always been around the community. He's kind of a fixture. Uh, and he went with Mr. Sean Naden. Reach. Uh, I don't know if that's a... I don't know. I You know... <laughs> Uh, Sean Naden has yet to not make the top eight at Delvio. Fair, fair so, point. So and so, you know, so if you're looking for a guy who who's consistently going to get you a six and zero score, uh, I I mean I think Sean Naden's worth like a late first round flyer. Uh, I don't you know I don't think Sean Naden's flyer. I just mean like there's some names on the board which we're probably about to read because you got a serious value pick. Out of yeah, this, that's... out of out of that. Yeah, I absolutely did. Uh, so, uh, so you picked Sean Naden. Sean Naden's a really good player. I would, I would definitely pick him to make the top eight. He was actually my pick to make the top eight. If you listen to the Chapter Tactics episode at the beginning of the month, uh, and then of course I was picked number five. Um, I'm on this because I'm the commissioner, and that's it. No other reason whatsoever. And I actually had Nick Navadi fall into my lap. Uh, Nick Navadi was actually my number one player, uh, even though Richard Siegler and Jim Vessel. Are ahead of him on the ITC. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. Sweet. I like falling in your lap, Pablo. This is nice. It was, it was great. <laughs> it was talk about fantasy. That's right. You know, forty k here. Uh, but yeah, you you had Nick Nick Rose, Jim Vessel, and Rich Siegler above Nick Donavati. However, um, uh, Nick Rose is Nick Rose is uh, a really good player, but not as consistent as Donavati. Uh, Jim Vessel it obviously has been really good, but. Uh, he has an, a kind of an unproven chaos list. He's had to kind of, you know, redo it. He's also been away from 40K a little bit, uh, you know, built, doing the restaurant thing. And then Richard Sleeker switched from Tau to Adept as a Stardes, even though he's got the best team in competitive 40K right now. Um, one of his teammates is on the podcast, Mr. John Lennon, um, and they probably have a really good practice space marine list. Uh, I just don't like Richard Siegler, a rookie going into the biggest 40K tournament of the year with a list he is not as familiar with as his tau list. So Nick Nanavati was my number one, uh, and I got to pick him. I was very happy to get Nanavati at five. So I have a question for you, Pablo. What's um, up? Were you not dissuaded by my last-minute jump to White Scars, or were you like, Nick's my boy? No, no. You you could have been playing. You could have switched to Eldar or Space. Like You could have switched to fucking... Grey Knights and I'd Ride be like, or die. Oh. Ride or I'd, die is what he said. I would have I would have probably I would have probably still picked you at number one. Um but I, I don't know. I trusted you to pick a list that you weren't going to to go less than six and with. You also have like a reputation to protect. You know you know? Like you know he, He's not even the highest rated Nick. But I mean I hope I do well. I, I'm not gonna lie. Um Uh oh. I'm kind of new to this white scar life too, but uh, <laughs> the goal is still the goal. You know, I'm here to. I win can't it. wait to talk about the musical chairs of the various factions, which I That's find endlessly hilarious. Uh, and then uh, next up, picking sixth was Paul Murphy. Paul the Murphy. Paul Murphy. The Paul Murphy. Anyways, 
needs no introduction, picked Jim Vessel at number six, which is, um, I don't know if that's reaching because it is Jim Vessel, but, uh, yeah, picked Jim Vessel. And then we had Mr. Val Has no one picked Singer, Ziegler yet? Uh, Val Halfelfinger actually picked Rich Ziegler at seven. Val, do you want to talk about that pick? Well, I mean, anytime you can pick the number one overall ITC player at seventh, a guy who's been crushing it, uh, you know, since the turn of the season at Nova, uh, has been able to do no wrong, is fired up. Apparently, uh, it's the AVN Awards as well uh, this weekend, so you know he's feeling feisty. I think uh, I think Richard Siegler is a fantastic value at seven. Would have been a good value at number one, although I would have probably probably gone with Manny Chima myself. But number two, easy. So yeah, I'm I'm all about Richard Siegler, even with the change. I mean, the guys the guys only been playing for a year anyway. It's not like it's not like he can't make up those reps. I'm with you 100. percent Siegler falling into your lap like that. That's yeah. That's Siegler be the best second so far. blows my mind. Bobble, as much as I love you for picking me, the, the six of you before this messed up so. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's a matter of preference. Um, obviously, if you were taken, I would definitely pick Siegler. And it's not like it's not like if uh, I had picked number three and Nick Nadavati and Jim Vessel were out on one and two, I wouldn't pick Richard Siegler. Um, I just like you know, I just like you a little higher than him. I like me a little bit more too. No. Uh, <clears throat> All right. Well, you pick next, Nick. You picked T.J. Lanigan. Uh, really, a, a really, really good pick. Um, and at at eight, I think is actually, um, I actually would expect to see T.J. Lanigan uh, just on name recognition. He's a phenomenal player, but in terms of uh, your top top ten or something, there's a lot of more players in that list that I would maybe pick oh, yeah. after him. him but name him. under name recognition. I know. I I know. I know. But by name recognition, I would expect T.J. Lanigan to go after some players that he maybe shouldn't. Uh, but you got him at eight, and how do you feel about that pick? I felt good about T.J. Um, so, yeah, I think he's he's just super consistent. He's had a great year all around. And I don't know if he with Possess Bomb. I don't know if Possess Bomb has the balls to win LVO this year. That remains to be seen. But I don't see T.J. disappointing me as a pick. I think he's going to go bare minimum 5-1. Definitely has the... Has it in him to go six and zero? Yeah, uh, and then Adam Camilleri or Nick Colin Sherman next with Nick Rose, which is where we led off onto this. Uh, Colin Sherman picked Nick Rose. John, you you helped Colin pick this make this pick. What do you think? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I I thought I, I saw that he was available. You know, you've got again a top three player up for grabs. Um, I really I like the switch to white scars. Um, I think that. Uh, I think that the impulsor list, especially the, the four impulsors, I think that's going to be really good in the format. So, uh, no offense to Nick's Chaplin Dreads, but I really liked uh, the maximum impulsors that Nick Rose had. So, I kind of saw him on the board still. I, I thought, you, you got to take Nick Rose. Uh, he's been very consistent. He had a great run at Nova earlier this year. Um, I think last year he was 5-1 and one and maybe a dice roll away from top 8. So, I think Nick Rose was always a good pick. Uh, if he's available, you got to take him. And then, uh, real quick, how much of you guys, uh, since you guys were actually doing the drafting... How much did you factor the armies being played in? Because I saw that TJ was the first Chaos player being picked. Um, were you sticking away from Chaos, anyone? Or did you guys just, I guess, like how the Possessed Bomb works? I feel like the Possessed Bomb has that chance of failing a psychic power and then having a game go badly, which would personally make me hesitant to pick it over like a very solid Marine list that's always consistent. So so one thing I wanted to talk about uh, after right after this uh, 
was uh, the idea of like philosophies behind drafting and picking. Um, but to answer your question, uh, I definitely valued good players with space marine lists over good players without space marine lists, <laughs> with the only exceptions being a few players on my particular uh, draft roster um, where I, it really doesn't matter what list they're playing. Um, and, and these are players like TJ Lanigan, who who would take Chaos anyways, and like Don Hoosen, right, who isn't going to be running spaces, is going to be running Chaos. Um, players who are really good, who I think will be well on my team, do well on my team, um, despite the fact that they're Space Marine. They're not playing Space Marines. So. I think personally, to answer your question, I'm going with players I believe in, and not to say that I believe in TJ above all else here. I love TJ, but, you know, there's a lot of great players in this list. I, I think that... TJ is going to be really consistent, and last year I picked uh, in my fantasy draft some a bit more wild cardy players that had potential, but it was, a, it was a volatile pick instead of a consistent pick, and I fell on the wrong end of that volatility. So I trust the players more than the armies, so I'm just picking the players that I know can produce results or will produce results. Absolutely, right on. All right, and then finally we had the guy who got away who's supposed to come on this podcast and unfortunately couldn't mr adam camilleri from down under down under network specifically and he went with his boy matt morisoli now val yeah. you and i both know who matt morisoli is john and nick do you know who matt morisoli is i do i've met him many times at etc nice uh, now val i have a question for you yes sir how much of this is a homer pick or a legitimate top 10 first round pick well I mean, I, I think there is pro- it's probably trending a little bit towards homerism because I, I think he's probably going to be safe sitting on the board for a little while. You don't necessarily have to go and grab him right away. I've already got a few names. I'm, I'm licking my chops out for the later rounds. But uh, at the same time, Matt Morisali does have, uh, you know, a certain amount of psychic powers over his Australian brethren. Um, and so perhaps he felt uh, like he couldn't do anything but make this pick, and uh, and then there was less choice involved than what we would we would think otherwise. So I, I think I, I think perhaps he was just obligated. There was no choice. Um, otherwise, he might have to you know answer to Matt Morisali at a later time. I agree. I think if you're thinking about it from a draft strategy standpoint, we're all Americans, and that's the Australian. So we're naturally going to gravitate away from him just because we don't really know him as players. So that was probably going to stick around at least through round two. So I think he could have gotten away with that pick later on. Maybe going for someone a little more on the radar for round one picking. But there comes a point where you got to just pick your boy, you know? If he believes in that, <laughs> I mean, he's got to pick him. We can't let an Australian go to not an Australian. That's true. If if Adam had gone through round two rounds and someone had picked Matt Mersoli before him... There, there is also there is also the fact that he is playing, from what I understand, um, essentially the original, uh, you know, uh, Plague Bearers chaos list, the characters behind it. So uh, I mean, you know, obviously it, with some it is Australia. So tomorrow is yesterday or something. So they're probably still in that meta. <laughs> they're actually ahead of us by a day and a half, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, and then finally coming out with the last pick. Scary from Scardcast, a co-host of this podcast, and also a phenomenal player, and uh, on various other podcasts now. So, uh, Scary, he's last, uh, which is good in a snake draft format. What essentially that means is, uh, you if you pick last, the rounds or the pick order reverses at the start of the next round. So, Scary's pick 
will be at the end of round one. However, the start of round two, he will be picked number one because he's last in the draft, last in the draft order. Uh, and so if you look at it like on a spreadsheet, linearly, it looks kind of like a snake when you draft it. That's why it's called a snake draft. Um, so Scary's up next. He's got two picks in a row. He hasn't made his picks yet. That's okay. He's busy. He's got his own stuff he's taking care of. Um, if you were Scary, John Lennon, uh, and you had two picks in a row, who would you pick? Oh, geez. Two picks in a row. Um, I think I would take one of them. Um, I think i got to take an Eldar player. Um, really, you, you've got to look at, um, you know, obviously Space Marines have a big bully on the block. I think my first pick is always going to be a good Space Marine player. But I would I would be tempted to make that second or third pick kind of a, a swing person who could go 4-2 and two, but could also go 6-0. and oh. And I, I think Eldar are the perfect army for that because if they hit the right scenario, they can beat any army in the game. Um... I'd probably, as a third pick, because uh, I always work backwards whenever I snake, or I guess this is his second pick. Um, uh, so for, well, let me start from the front here. First pick, you got to take a Space Marine player. Um, Ruben Fernandez is still on the board. Um, he's he's one of my teammates. That would be my homer pick, absolutely. Uh, but other than that, you're probably looking at one of the good Eldar players like uh, Jack Harpster or Colin Sherman, um, just because... Eldar are a little weird, and a lot of people don't have cracks against them with Psycho Awakening, so I think they'll do well at LVO. But um, I'd, I'd actually go Ruben Fernandez. I'd be a homer, and then um, I'd go Colin Sherman just to pick one of my boys. Back-to-back homer picks. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I don't win fantasy drafts very often, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Mr. Mr. Sherman uh, talking, talking a lot of talk about them Eldari. On various podcasts, both on this network and on his own show, so uh, I'd be like to see if he can. Uh, I'll be interested to see if he cashes that check. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, Nick, what do you think here? If you had two first, if you had two picks in a row, that's a that's a great point. I think I value Army a lot less than John does, based on how he's talking. Um, I, I do put a lot of stock into players, so. Um, I think Malik from England would be a pretty nifty no, pick here. I don't think he's going to see round three. Um, he's got a pretty top-heavy Imperial Faceless, but it's just raw power. So even if he does hit a perfect storm, raw power doesn't get him through, he's not going to do worse than 4-2. He's got a real shot at 5-1, 6 and out. So I think he's a, he's a left-field kind of power play. Uh, I probably should diversify with my army. You also probably shouldn't have told everyone about Malik. It was only you yeah. and you See, probably Daniel going Pablo, for this is this is what you're playing to win the fantasy draft. You get us all to give away our secret tech. <laughs> uh, I, I like Malik Rubio personally, but anyways, um, I, I probably would have gone with someone really safe, someone someone established with top eight LVO performance. Someone like uh, maybe not Brad Chester. Maybe if Brad Chester were playing one of the good Eldar lists, that uh, but he's playing something more his style. So <laughs> he's not playing sisters. That's oh, he's not. That's his faction. He's that playing Raven Guard. Oh, he's playing. Well, then, yeah, I would still probably. I'd probably pick Radchester then, uh, or Steve yeah. Pamprine. Steve Pamprine and Radchester are really safe picks. Yeah, I'd probably, uh, if I was doing the back-to-back thing from Scary's position, I'd probably double down and either pick both Brad and Steve. I pick two out of three: Brad, Steve, and Malik. Pick two. Yeah, you could also pick Brian Pullen and either one of those two. That's not a bad pick. Brian Pullen's a super, super safe pick. Um, I would not expect him to go low, worse than five and one uh, at all. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So. So um, yeah. I'll share with you. Yeah, go ahead and share it with him. But uh, yeah, in this the list we're looking at, if you if you are all curious, is the is the 
the list I mentioned at the beginning of the episode where we talk where it's uh, all of the current LVO players um, organized by their ITC points for the season. So uh, it's super easy to look at that list. And if you are drawing a blank with who you want to pick, you can just pick the next person, highest person on that list. You know who else is an interesting pick, Pablo, that uh, I think maybe has gone under the radar due to work and stuff? Andrew Gagno. He's rocking it out with Sisters in Space Marines. Yeah. I do yeah. love his list, and I think he's one of the most consistent players out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think Gagno, I don't think Gagno would, would top eight or win the whole thing at all, uh, even though he could. Um, I don't I don't know if we've seen the consistency from him this year, and especially compared to past years. But yeah, a phenomenal like like second or third round pick. I'd pick him up and you know pretty quickly. Yeah, if he a, makes it that far, I'll take him. Gagno is a threat from anywhere on the field, bud. Don't mm. forget it. Boom. All right. World's the most least interesting man. <laughs> so so, <laughs> so let's go ahead and so let's go ahead and talk about uh, kind of these philosophies, and then we'll move on to the list evaluation, which I think a lot of people are really really interested in. Um, so th- the idea is is that you the people you pick because we're only drafting eight players. Um, so you know we're only going to take you know the top eighty eight, less than the top one hundred players right so theoretically if we all drafted perfectly we should fight uh, you know for the top 100 players that the at the lvo right so if we all drafted well we look at the top 100 there'll be mostly players that we come from, which means that we should be looking at only drafting players we think who will be going five and one right and then from there it's evaluating how safe of how safe it is for that player to go five and one or better right and yeah. that's kind of that's kind of where we're looking at for value. Uh, in my in my head right now, like at this pick, uh, you know, even even in the second round, I'm looking for someone who, first of all, have they been to the top eight before? Because that's probably a good indicator of future success. Uh, and so, if there's no one no one there anymore, do they have the list or the potential for a top eight finish? Have they finished strong in the past? Uh, and then once all those guys are gone, then yeah, I'm picking I'm picking skill plus list for sure. Mm. Yeah, I, I actually really like looking at the history of the LVO and picking players who consistently do well. Um, I've got some players in mind um, who who have never made a top eight, but they have an overall better record at the LVO than like a Brandon Grant or someone who's won it, uh, even though they're just they're not they've never made top eight, so no one really knows who they are. Uh, so I'm looking at players who who are like guaranteed to get me five and one. Yeah, I think that's. Uh... Guaranteed five and one is a lot of points and is a much easier task to accomplish than six and zero oh, because it's so elusive. Um, so I think players who consistently finish well but maybe lose a game to like the overall winner of LVO, there's very good picks. Yeah, and and keep in mind tiebreakers is uh, top eight, um, but it's not. It's a that's a different tiebreaker. So the first primary tiebreaker is at the end of the event. Uh, you dro- we drop the player with the lowest score, and the reason you do that is because uh, sometimes someone can just drop, like for emergencies, or um, you know maybe their je- chaplain dreadnoughts get taken away round one ten minutes into the tournament, <laughs> and and they can't play anymore, um, or or whatever reason this stuff happens, uh, and so if one player does drop out like that, you're you know you're you're out of it basically. Like there's no way you can recover from that. So we dropped the lowest score. Um, so we're really only uh, taking a team's top seven players with the lowest being dropped. Um, and if you have two players on your team that you drafted who dropped, like that's just I don't, that's just stupidly bad luck. Like you weren't going to win anyways if you have that kind of bad luck. So uh, 
Uh, that's why you drop the lowest. Uh, and um, that's the first tiebreaker is you add in that player who dropped the lowest. So if two players are tied, you know, their point, their, their teams are tied for the same ITC points, which is super improbable. You add in the player who would normally get dropped. And then if it's still a tie, then you do top eights. And then you do overall record, which includes top eights. So it's not really a fact. It's not something I'm thinking about when I'm making my, when I'm picking my players at all. Although I'm kind of doubting picking picking Nick Donavati now. Nick's Nick's uh, you done really well, Nick. But there have been a couple LVOs where you haven't done so well. It's true. Sorry. LVO is probably my most volatile event for some reason. Yeah, it is. Although the, um, Although you've been yeah. consistently recently. The last two LVOs I did decently. Obviously, one two years ago, and the last year I went five and one, just narrowly missing top eight. But uh, I made a, a volatile pick this year for list, so mm-hmm. I'll admit picking me is a bit of a risk, Papa. But I believe the I have faith in the Brown Magic, so I'm glad you do too. <laughs> Let's do it. Are we just so, doing aggregate points here, like uh, like literally just battle score for, for uh, that, how they're scoring? Yeah, so that's that's how um, that's how I think is probably the best way to score just aggregate points. Yeah. Uh, so if you you know. Uh, ninth place versus tenth place, there is like a fifty ITC point difference. I think, or it's, it's something like crazy high when when you start getting down to uh, specifics, which I think is pretty cool. Um, uh, it really, it really means like uh, last year I was rooting for players on my team to get like ten more battle points so that they could jump like fifty points in the rankings and get a bunch more ITC points. And I'm like, I know you're losing, but I need you to get ten more points, please, so that you can a- be. <laughs> Is there a prize for this, Pablo? Are we uh, are we playing for anything? Uh, the bragging rights, Nick Nanavati, uh, and also title of the smartest competitive 40k podcast person. Oh, I like that. What happens if someone who's not on a podcast wins this thing? Did I pick someone who's not on a podcast? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, everyone's. I think, I guess maybe Adam is down under network. Do they have a pod, like a, an ongoing podcast? I don't know. I, I mean, it, it counts, but no, Just, every, everyone on here is, is in it has some sort of media or platform from which they can brag about their victory to all of us. So, like, uh, that was that was kind of what I was going for here, but. Uh, that is it. That is what we're playing for. John and uh, Val, what are your kind of philosophies behind drafting? Val, I'll let you go first. Oh, yeah. Like, I think I, I think I went over it. I think early on, definitely looking for player first. Um, I think you got to assume that the players who are in it to win it are going to bring the list that they think is going to do that job for them. So <laughs> they're making the call. Um, of course, there's some famous examples of people just sort of going down with their various ships, but... I don't think Jim Vessel playing, um, uh, you know, possessed bomb is going down with a ship. That's still like a serious list. Question is, question of whether or not he's able to, you know, get practice enough with it to be competent and able to face up against some of the hardest players around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think basically looking for pedigree. Like, are there, is it a person who's gotten there before? Like, are there people on this list who may have even won uh, an an LVO in the past who haven't been drafted? Yes. So uh, that's that's what I'm looking for first. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really exciting uh, for those of you at home listening. Uh, hopefully, by the time this podcast goes up, there will be some sort of template up. Um, if anything, I'll, if it isn't going frontline gaming.org, I'll definitely have to put it somewhere on the 
uh, interwebs, competitive 40k, or you know somewhere. Um, so hopefully, you know, you get a chance to organize some buddies together and draft. It's a, it is an absolute lot of fun. Uh, and I think this year, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are keeping an eye on their spreadsheet on their phones while also, you know, enjoying the LVO or maybe even playing. So it's going to be really exciting. I think for my philosophy, um, I would actually go the opposite. Um, I'm looking at armies here. Uh, the way I see it, um, you're going to be picking a top player no matter what. You know, the, these first couple rounds, at least, like the first three rounds, you know, anyone you are going to be picking is going to be a fantastic player. And it's hard to compare, you know, people on different coasts to say who is truly a better player. So I'm looking at armies because you're going to have to go through other top players no matter what. And I think I would rather have someone who's on the new hotness space marine that they maybe don't have as much practice with. Uh, rather than, you know, no offense Brandon Grant, someone who's sticking with their guard. Um, when I just don't think that that's as strong of a meta pick. Where Brandon Grant could probably play against a slightly inferior player on day two. And he might lose that game because they have untargetable Chaplain Dreadnoughts that haven't been both yet. And he doesn't. Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, well, you also might have a better idea of what is a meta list than a, or, or a good good list decision than I do. So <clears throat> I'm just going to go with the player and trust that they made the right call. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find anyone with a Stompa yet? Uh, I hope not. Those poor, unless they're running the Stompa mob. In which case, I think that's got some action. Yeah. All right. Uh, crickets, I don't think it, I don't crickets, think it does. I don't crickets. think it does at all. That's, that's but. Pablo's uh, rogue orc player in top eight. That's the guy with the stomper mob. Okay. So, so Pablo, <laughs> let, yeah, let's uh, let's. Uh, that's just a top eight question, but I'll pose it to you. Every year, you say uh, orcs are going to make top eight. Not this year. Which, so that means it's what? Almost, it's Pablo? Come on. It's a lot. <laughs> right. Oh. Uh, you know what? But are you You're are you a birdsong right. man or are you a Kilton man? Um, I am a I'm a birdsong man. Um, Rich Kilton get off of your podcast. Phenomenal as phenomenal of a player as he is. Uh, I just I I don't think he's going to make the top eight. Unfortunately, you know he's a super nice guy, really good player. But um, I think that if one orc player were were have to make the top eight, I would say Anthony Birdsong's having the better year in eighth edition. By a whole 19 points over Richard it's not by It's not by very many points. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's But um, anyways, that always, I pick, I, I when I say an orc player is going to make the top eight at the LVO, it's, it's secretly always Rich Kilton, but I don't ever actually <laughs> say it. And every year he's let me down, so now I, I got to jump on the birdsong train. Oh, you're breaking his heart. <laughs> uh, anyways, speaking of heartbreaking metalists and everything we just talked about let's go ahead and jump into some of these list things and i actually want to jump right away into a patented list that i would if i had to make one pick one list to make the top eight this would be the list and this is the list that richard siegler and john lennon and ruben fernandez and that entire no-name team down in florida is running and the space marine list so uh john why don't you why don't you break down this list for us well, I mean, first of all, I just want to say I think picking the list to make the top eight is kind of cheap because there's like ten of it, you know, like, like twenty of it. I know I gotta hedge my bets somehow. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, that, that's the smart pick. You know, it's like picking Nick Nottavati ten times. Um, exactly. You know, like one niche. You should some just do that, Pablo. Um, okay, so the list itself, um, I'll break it down a little bit. It's basically a double battalion and a spearhead. You've got forty intercessors. Um, we have left the scouts at home. Uh, it's forty intercessors with. 25 in one battalion, that's an Indominus Crusade detachment, and 15 in the other. 
Uh, they're all iron hands. They're all stalker bolt rifles. We put uh, thunder hammer and a couple power fists in. Uh, we have three of ye old chaplain dreadnought. Um, mine are the actual models. Uh, I'm pretty sure most of my teammates got their conversions approved. If not, don't pick us. Um, <laughs> and then we've got um, for other HQs. We've got you know good old man Pharos and a primaris lieutenant. Uh, we've got an apothecary, and then we've got the the big old leviathan dreadnought. So the big old Leviathan Dreadnought, he's the Warlord, he's got the Double Storm Cannon, he's the big Chungus who just doesn't die. Uh, he, he's really the rock that I put in the middle of the field and just say, this part of the board is mine. And that's all he does. And he doesn't actually shoot, which is kind of weird, because I don't like spending 320 points on things that don't shoot. But it's great because no one steps within 32 inches of me at any point in the game. And I just kind of sit there. Huh. Alright, and then when people do step within... 32 inches of them, they die. Uh, I don't know. I actually, I haven't fired him yet. <laughs> no one has actually gotten in range of him. Everyone has just been like, well, I just can't exist here. I might as well hide behind this wall and wait and see what happens. And I just kind of trundle forward six inches a turn, and it's worked out pretty well. Now, uh, Nick, there's a Nick Nonavati. Uh, there's another philosophy in in Space Marine list building. Um, beyond Imperial Fist and Iron Hands, and that is the White Scars and Raven Guard players. And there are, according to Peter the Falcon, over 400 Assault Centurions at the LVO, which is more Assault Centurions than have ever been played in 40k since its existence in the history of 40k. I want to know who counted all those. I don't know. I, I'm just assuming, you know, zero Assault Centurions have been played until the Space No, no, I, I just want to know who counted. There's over 400. Yeah, oh, uh, just so you, just so you guys know, like Peter has uh, been working his way through, I think seven thousand pages of lists. So I know I I blow a lot of smoke up Pete's ass, but it's because he's an insane person who we don't deserve, and uh, so he's literally gone through and counted all the significant units, uh, and we'll have all that those numbers for the stat center coverage. Uh, it's insane, but it's like seven thousand pages. I think he's down to his last couple hundred. That's why he's not on the show tonight. I'm going to make another quick note about those 400 Assault Centurions. Um, I just double-checked. There are less than 400 Sisters of Battle players this season. <laughs> There's this more season. Assault Centurions. There are 369 Sisters of Battle players this ITC season. So what you're saying is, is if you got all of the Assault Centurions, put them on a chair, gave them a Sisters of Battle list, and then squared them against all the Sisters of Battle players in the ITC... There would we would run out of sisters battle players first. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, assault centurions. Um, they're really popular. Uh, and uh, white scars and driving guard players. Um, you know, running a lot of them. So Nick, uh, white scars. You recently switched over to white scars. Uh, there are a lot of a cadre of really good players who switched over to the same kind of philosophy of uh, in your face white scar space marine lists. Um. What do you, how do those match up to lists like this Iron Hands list? Uh, against most Iron Hands lists, I think fairly well. Uh, this variation, the John Siegler Brohammer list, in particular worries me a bit more than I care to truthfully say. Um, my philosophy with the White Scar choice was basically that in testing, I found that my more traditional Iron Hands brigade that I had been rocking with for the past four or five months of the season, to some pretty solid success, uh, could not keep up with the meta as far as the offensive raw power that Fisk could output. Um, and then it had a bad match into Possess Bomb, 
and all of those things. So then that coupled with the last minute terrain change that the LVO uh, implemented basically sealed the deal for me that Iron Hands, at least the way Iron is running them, is not the way. Um, so the reason White Scars is because they have a very interesting counter to a lot of what Marines are trying to do. They can engage a fist gun line out of nowhere um, and from reserve, so they can dodge kind of the blowing up portion of the fist army a lot uh, and then just turn it off. They also, if they can hang out till turn three and get to that assault doctrine, their army just gets stupid powerful. And having buckets of damage too in close combat is pretty good against the interceptor heavy hordes that we're sitting, seeing. So a bit of a counter meta pick. Um, basically, if you can't keep up on raw power, my philosophy was outjank them, and we'll see if that works or not. Mm. All right. <clears throat> now, uh, let's go ahead and talk about a list that I've been wanting to talk about. And this is another Space Marine list. And for those of you listening, I do apologize. I'm getting through all the Space Marine lists early, but I promise you there are non-Space Marine lists as well. Uh, but the fact is that Space Marines are the, the big bad of the LVO this year. Uh, so we are going to talk, be talking a bit about them. We're also going to talk about how to beat them. Um, one list I love that I have heard consistently from from all sorts of really good players is Manny Chima's list. Uh, so it, it's a, a really good Imperial Fist list. Um, and as I understand it, it's also the one he's... It's He hasn't changed it much from his dominant runs in the UK, right? Uh I think actually no. It's uh, it was a list that he picked up on um, very recently uh, okay. at a tournament, and then uh, play tested it, and then immediately used it. Uh, that, okay. Up until up until like a few weeks ago, he was uh, like talk, talking loudly about running like twenty four centurions, uh, and he felt like this was just a a hard counter to it. Um, and then I have said I, he says on 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 his interview for Forty K Stat Center, I do believe something along the lines of. If he goes first, he will win. Yes, it's a really, really good list. So he's got uh, Imperial Fists. He's got one brigade with a captain, a chaplain, and with a ch- both jump packs, of course. Uh, some intercessor squads with stalker bolt rifles, kind of stock at this point in Space Marine lists. And then three Relic Whirlwind Scorpuses and three units of Servidors to fulfill the elite slots because they're relics. Uh, three Suppressor squads. And then a spearhead detachment with a tech marine, three thunderfire cannons, and three rapier quad launchers. And that's it. That's the that's the list. Uh, super shooty. The three thunderfire cannons plus the three whirlwind scorpuses uh, will, with our imperial fists, will kill a lot of things. I, I do agree. If Manny plays it less well, and he's a fantastic player. <clears throat> And he goes first. There, I don't think there's an army in 40k that can realistically beat it. Uh, maybe something like 300 Gaunts could, but no one seems to have brought something like that. So, of the armies we're seeing at LVO, I don't think many people have a chance of going second. Uh, that said, it's a super risky move because a lot of armies can just dumpster that if they go first. Imagine like Sean Naden's uh, double Shining Spear double skyweaver list like two of those two of those units are charging on turn one maybe even three and manny's just never getting a shooting phase that game is done on the die roll first turn yeah the the thing about it because i've played with all of these units i've played similar although i've never played this exact list um and one thing that the artillery and the thunder of our cannons get you is you get a, a surprising amount of like protection and screening and a lot of like mobility like your scorpions if things go to shit 
your Scorpius can just take off 12 inches. And, and I know that's not efficient, but it's a surprisingly versatile list if it goes second and it has to go defense. So you can play really cagey with it. And if you're a really good player, you have options more than just, you know, forming a gun line and getting charged and not shooting turn one. Um, but you just have to be willing to sacrifice things that you normally wouldn't want to um, and lower the, the list shooting power. Right, and then you've also the cool thing about the rapier carriers is the gunners can't be shot; they they're immune to the character. They're like super character keywords. Oh, they're the um, old they're the old like grot gunners rule, I guess. Eh? Yes, yeah. So you can those gunners can can you know potentially hold an objective all by themselves um, after all is said and done. So uh, I agree with you, Nick. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. I think that you're absolutely right uh, in that someone will someone can definitely just turn one gut punch him, um, but. I, I wouldn't. I would. I'd have to be like another really good player. I wouldn't expect it to be just. Some I, I don't think, man. He's going to lose to anyone not of caliber. To no, beat Manny. no, absolutely. Not. I mean, the list is a little one-dimensional, but man, he's still Manny. Yeah. That said, there are good players running things that can absolutely counter him should they get first turn, and that's a that's a dangerous game to be playing. Yep. Well, uh, Jammy Manny, I guess is uh, gonna gonna bet on himself for that one. Yeah. I mean, I asked him. I was on the phone with him the other day, and I was like, bro, your list, it's like, goes first wins. What if you go second? He's like, well, I swear to God, he said this to me straight-faced. Bro, I went first five times in a row at LGT. Surely you could do <laughs> <Yeah>. it again. <laughs> he, he I, I, I say this a lot, Nick. I don't think I've ever said it in front of you, but he very much feels like the Nick Nanavati of the UK. <laughs> he's super one of my One of my friends called us brothers the other day. Like, he's never even met Manny. Is you know it, it it's it's not just like it goes it's more than skin deep or it is skin you know anyways but yes um absolutely uh I just I think it's really funny that Manny said that um so let's go ahead and move to uh, T J Lanigan I want to talk about T J uh so we can talk about something other than Space Marines real quick and also uh as as if you've listened to the Chapter Tactics bonus episode uh, where I brought on Colin and I brought on Jim Vessel and we talked about the two best factions at the LVO that weren't Space Marines, uh, and both both players agreed with me, and I'd be interested to see if you guys agreed with me as well. Uh, if you if you had to pick a non-Space Marine faction to do well at the LVO, um, would, do you think it'd be either Craft World Eldar or Chaos? Um, I'll take that uh, one both first. Of those... um, I think it's a little bit of rock, paper, scissors. I think that um, the Eldar list is very strong into Chaos, but I think that the Chaos list has a better play into Marines. Just because of the popularity of Marines, I'm going to go ahead and say that the Chaos list would have the better odds of winning LVO and making the Miracle Run. Uh, just because I think that you, you have to go through Marines. And Eldar, you know, it's it's too easy to get that wrong scenario. Like, you know, even like Sean Naden's list that totally could beat Manichima, it also could go second against Manichima, at which point it, it just doesn't matter who's playing it. The game's over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would bet on Chaos to have the, the jank to pull through the Marine meta. I think I agree. Like I, I think both are top tier armies, and if I had to pick a top three in 40k, it would obviously be Marines, Chaos, and Eldar. Um, I think Chaos is just a little bit more consistent than Eldar, so I think they have what it takes to go that extra mile more so than Eldar. Um, okay, so to answer this question, I'm going to just quickly use a pivot table and uh, just <laughs> rattle off some names <clears throat> at the top of Eldar. we got Chris Blackham, Sean Naden, Ben Sherwin. Uh, Jack Harpster, Mark Crumbleholm, um, and then at the top of it, Asirani, Con- Conrad Bar- Barkiewicz, Colin Sherman, Raymond Amu... Ah, oh, poor Ray. Ahumadi. Ahumada. 
I'm sorry, Ray. Matt Shuckman. I don't know. There's some good ass Eldar players playing yes. Eldar. Uh, so I'm and not to discount. We've already talked about all the, the chaos guys. So um, I'm gonna say Eldar. I'm gonna say Eldar is the next one. And also, Colin Sherman has been telling me Eldar is unstoppable. So are, are you just saying Eldar to be a contrarian so we can get some dialogue going here? Or are you saying Eldar because you believe in Eldar? The thing is, is, I will fall apart if you uh, even breathe on me because I have no other basis than um, just judging this book by its cover. But it does look to me like some some there are some very strong Eldar players out there. Again, I like top eight pedigree type guys. So you heard it here first, guys. If you want to make Val fall apart, just breathe on him. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> Especially uh, before we've rolled to go first. That's that's a that's the apex of my stress. Although, please don't do it at the LVO. He's a very important job. Leave him alone. No breathing on Val at the LVO. It's a rule that I'm sanctioning right now. <laughs> so I'm going to oh, walk no, up to cool breathe on you. Okay. All right. If it's not 40K, I'm actually pretty pretty with it. But it is 40K. It's the LVO. No, it's covering 40K. Very different. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it's like but... the difference between Pablo on signals from the front line and chapter tactics. It's two different no, it's ones. A... That's a very different Pablo. Those are two very different Pablos. <laughs> and by the way, Nick said this earlier, and I agree with him. Interviewing people is an art form. I agree. There, there's good interviewers and bad interviewers, as well as good people who do well interviews and people who don't do well interviews. The same is true for hosting and for being a guest on a podcast. It is absolutely harder, in my opinion, to be a host of a podcast and make sure everything is going smoothly and write the notes and all that, as opposed to just being on a podcast. As both the host of a podcast and a guest on this one, completely agree. Being a host is way harder. I, yeah. I, am the opposite, but hey, I'm sure everyone loves Again, this content. Again, with the contrarianism, right come on now, hmm? just be mainstream. No, man, I've, I, I was, I was always resisting the urge to host whenever I'm, whenever I'm on this show. So that's, that's why <laughs> we had to get the second show. I mean, it's easy to say hosting is easy when your co-host carries your podcast completely. I mean, as two hosts of podcasts carried by their their co-hosts, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. He fires back, but all truth, so it's okay. Anyways, (laughs) moving on to chaos. Uh, So let's talk about the TJ Lanigan list. Um, First off, uh, this is what you would call the possessed star list that everyone is talking about. Um, so it's uh, two Pog Springers, some Nurglings, plus some Plague Burst Scrawlers, Aramon, two Demon Princesses each, kind of the usual stuff. And then you've got two Dark Apostles of Master Possession with a whole bunch of stuff, Mark of Nurgle, and uh, a Possessed unit of 20 Possessed, and then uh, some reinforcement points for for stuff for summoning. I actually don't know what you what you summon in there, although TJ Lanigan probably has a spreadsheet of everything you can summon with those points. It's honestly more or less two units. It's either the epitome for doing mm. trapping people in close combat, which you notice I believe TJ is like 200 points. She's 195. 199, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty deliberate. Um, and then the other option would be Beasts of Nurgle because they're just amazingly points-efficient screens. And it's an interesting summoning pick because a lot of times if you just took Beasts of Nurgle into your list, people would just pick Gangbusters. But if you summon them, do you really want to try to pick gangbusters on a unit that's not even there right now? That's a really can, good point. Can, can you even? You, even? You, you can pick gangbusters on whatever you like. I'm pretty sure it just might not be anything to score it on. Then he'll just summon something else. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's actually really that's a really cool play around 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 the ITC missions. 
um, and absolutely brilliant. That's why he's that's why he's in the top ten. But <clears throat> okay, so the possessed star, uh, essentially, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the list, you have a unit of possessed. You power them up. You double move them up the board, um, especially against Space Marines Imperium. They they have a bajillion attacks, I believe. Like two or three possessed models can kill like an entire Imperial Knight like easily uh, once it's, the star is fully buffed up. And then of course it's got the invuln save and, and all the nasty kind of defensive stuff that you would expect a uh, unit to have. So uh, you talked about this list a little bit earlier, Nick. Um, what I know you said that you didn't think it, it had the consistency to win. I believe you said something that kind of alluded to that. Um, what are your thoughts on this list if you play this list uh, with your list, for instance, or with a Space Marine list? Um, so I actually had Mark Perry on the Art of War podcast just last week. His episode is going to go live on Wednesday, uh, so two days from now. Um, so definitely check that out. We talk about his version of Possessed and all the different variations super in detail, so that'll do a much better job than I'm about to on this podcast to break it all down for you. But to answer your question, Pablo, my reasoning behind not picking possessed myself because I literally own that army is uh there's so many things you have to do perfectly to play that army and you know you can be a great player but fatigue is real 10 rounds is real and other top players with with who knows what kind of armies can really make you mess up on top of that it does have points of failure like you could I played chaos I played Eldar I know psychic phase no matter how much you put into it is a fickle beast and sometimes you just fail powers and that is not an army that appreciates failing powers. Um, finally, I think there's uh, certain army builds, um, specifically I think Seer Council or Eldar Plains. Seer Council really can be a very tough match for that type of army. And you do you are seeing top players like Jack Harpster, um, like Chris Blackham. They are running Seer Councils. So that... You know, I don't love having really hard matchups against top players. That seems like not a great place to be for trying to win LVO. Uh, I did think more people would bring Seer Council going into it. Um, so maybe Possessed Star isn't so crazy, given that it seems only a few handful of people brought Seer Council this year. Uh, but you can it, the meta is a guessing game going into the tournament, I suppose. Uh, it's definitely a strong contender. But I think it also... It's going to struggle Chaos as a faction with Raven Guard, and you are seeing top players, Steve Pimpreen, Brad Chester, Alex Fennell, to name a few, who are playing Raven Guard, and their ability to snipe out characters is enormous, um, and that's obviously horrible for a Chaos, Chaos Army. So I just felt like there's too many things going against the Possessed to go the distance over 10 rounds. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, <clears throat> also, there are significantly less possessed players, possessed star players, than there are space marine players, in instance, too. So, um, you already have a lower chance of of having multiple possessed play star players, like entering like the top fifty, for instance, right? So, um, <clears throat> all right, uh, let's go ahead and talk about Eldar now. Uh, I want to talk about Eldar because uh, Val did a great job of listing off some phenomenal Eldar players. Uh, however, as I was looking through their lists, a lot of their lists aren't the same. Uh, it's not like with the Space Marine players, where I can look and, and count out, I point out the 60 intercessors with the Stalker Bolt Rifles, uh, the character Dreadnoughts, the Centurions. The Space Marine lists, um, once you break it down into, am I a shooty list or am I not a shooty list, as shooty of a list, 
they get pretty fairly predictable, at least in my opinion, and I think in a lot of other people's opinion, will, they'll agree with me as well, too. Eldar, the Eldar lists are nothing like that. Uh, you've got the Colin Sherman running these, you know, really, really uh, shooty, the Dark Reapers and the Night Spinners, and uh, I believe he's also got two units of Shining Spears, uh, Colin Sherman does in his list. Um, no. Uh, memory serves he's got this really hyper aggressive shooty you know i want to go f- turn first thing at space marine list uh and then you've got the uh, of course the chris blackham seer council star lists and then <clears throat> you've got ray with his brand of like flyers eldar flyers and stuff and then you have sean naden um who's got a sean naden thing uh which is sean naden's got the like you said nick the the three units of skyweavers i believe it's two big units and a small unit so Varsher, Skyrunners, Rangers, Shining Spears, a whole bunch of Shining Spears, um, and then the Incarn. It's it's a it's a weird Sean Naden list. I can't I can't make heads so, or tails of it. Um, Pablo, I think you can actually classify the Elder list very similarly to the way you classify the Marine list, if not even more so. Interesting. Um, so go there, ahead. the way I look at the Elder list is there's two two to three builds depending on how you want to break it down. There's efficient flying shooting. That's mm-hmm. the Colin Sherman list, the Conrad list, the Ben Sherwin list. Um, it's they got three Crimson Hunter Exarchs, they got three Night Spinners. Their choice of Fire Prisms, Wraith Lords, Warwalkers, Vipers, whatever other support shooty fast vehicles you like. The variation there is that Colin opted for Dark Reapers and a Serpent, but more or less they're all the same army. Efficient shooting, fly done. Then we have Fast Assault Eldar. That's Matt Shookman. That's Sean Naden. That's uh, Jack Harpster and Chris Blackham. Matt and Sean, Matt's gone for twenty-seven Shining Spears. Sean's got eighteen Shining Spears, give or take, and twelve Skyweavers. Um, Jack and Chris have gone for Seer Council. So you could break down Seer Council and Spears and other stuff as two different armies. But either way, it's hyper fast, close combat, and flexibility. So it's really two different build archetypes. Okay, that's fair. To uh, a an Eldar pleb like myself looks like so much more. But, uh, yeah, if you break it down that way, it, makes, it actually makes a lot more sense. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, what do you think is the most powerful of those two Eldar builds? Or do you think it's rock, paper, scissors, like what John Lennon's been saying? I, I think, personally, um, that the hyper-efficient shooting gun army is the Imperial Fists of Eldar. It's going to win games based on math and lose games based on math. There's a little bit more finesse to it than classic Imperial Fist like the Manny Chima build. No offense to Manny, I love that man. Um, because obviously it moves a lot faster, so there is going to be more to it. At the same time, at the end of the day, efficient guns is efficient guns. It's going to shoot you off table or it's not going to shoot you off table. There is a lot more play, skill, and finesse involved in the close combat variations with the Spears, the Skyweavers, and the Councils. So... I personally rate those close combat variations that rely on their speed and their flexibility much stronger, but they're also a lot less potent in the destructive capability. Whereas, like, a planeless going first can probably beat a lot of armies on turn one. Spears can, but but not really in, in this day and age are they beating people on turn one anymore. So they're going to have to play the long game of 40k, which is where you're seeing great players like Sean, like Matt Shookman, like uh, Jack and Chris. They're running them, and Hopefully, they're relying on their play skill to take them those extra miles. Whereas someone like Colin Sherman is totally fine by his own admittance going four, two, or five, and one because his list is going to hold him back in certain scenarios. Okay. <clears throat> um, 
So, uh, I, I'm so sorry. You, you cut off there at the end for me. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was saying, where, where did I cut off? Like the last sentence. I, I was saying someone like Colin, or someone like Sean and Chris and Jack and whoever else are running those weird combat spear type elements are going to rely on their play skill to carry them the full distance. Whereas Colin Sherman, by his own admittance, is he understands that there's going to be scenarios where his list isn't going to get it done, and that's going to be that. And he's totally fine if he goes 4-2 by his own words. Okay. Because that's just the army he's chosen. Okay, okay, cool. Um, all right, well, and that that's kind of opposite of what the Space Marine lists are, right? Do you, I, would you expect the... Because it wouldn't make sense to me to say that the Iron Hands and Imperial Fist Space Marine players um, are... <clears throat> I would imagine they're listed the more powerful variant of the two melee versus shooting lists. Um, that's what yeah. it looks like to me. So, I mean, it's kind of... I wouldn't be surprised at all if a lot of Iron Hands players or Imperial Fist players ended up going 4-2, especially Imperial Fist players. Uh, even Manny and Malik themselves. Like, they just get themselves in that situation versus Sean, versus competent Eldar player with fast assault, competent X player with the tools to beat them. Uh, if they go second, there's not much to be done about it. They have guns. Hopefully the guns work. If they don't, they don't. Um... Iron Hands have a little bit more play because they're tougher, so they can handle brutality a bit more. Um, but generally speaking, those armies, Space Marines in general of that nature, of the Iron Hands of the Imperial Fist nature, they try to beat you in the list design phase as opposed to on the table, which is a fine way of playing 40k. It's just that's the choice they've given you. So if they don't beat you in the list design phase, um, they're playing an uphill battle. Whereas armies like White Scars and Raven Guard, they're trying to beat you on the table. Okay. Is that why you switched over to White Scars? That is exactly why I switched over to White Scars. I didn't feel like I was wanted to play the game and trying to beat people in list design, so I figured I'll try to beat them on the board. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> uh, I want to transition into talking away from Eldar and Chaos now uh, about Tau. Uh, obviously, John, uh, Richard, your teammate, dropped Tau for Space Marines, and Brian Poulin didn't. Brian Poulin decided to stick with his Tau list. Uh, I It might be for Brian. It might be a comfort pick. Uh, although I imagine he w he has played so many other factions, I'd be surprised if he you know if he didn't think that he was was not going to do well, or if he did think that he was not going to do well with Tau. So, John, as someone who's been around 40k for a long time, um, <clears throat> what do you what do you think about Richard switching over from Space Marines to Tau uh, as his teammate, uh, and then how do you think Tau would do, or how do you think Richard would do with his Tau if he went to the LBO? So I think that uh, I actually, I love the switch. Um, I was definitely, while we were all collaborating and deciding what our LVO lists were going to be, I was 100% in favor of him switching over from Tau to Iron Hands when he was kind of deciding on it. Um, he helped perfect the list, so I certainly can't take all or even most of the credit. Uh, he kind of fixed my list when it had an obvious uh, hole in it. But I, I think that we, he designed the Iron Hand army to play like Tau, um, so I think that the play style is going to be very similar to what he was doing before. It's just better at it. Um, before he was relying on the massive drones to take the center and the damage output of the army never really went down because, you know, the Riptides would go up and they'd pass off wounds to the drones. So he'd get to shoot the three Riptides and the commanders for multiple turns, turn after turn. Um, the Iron Hands does the same thing. The Intercessors push up in the ball. You really, it's very hard to take care of the Chaplain Dreadnoughts or the... Um, or of the Leviathan, 
and it gets to put out all that firepower. Uh, still, it gets to move up, control the center, stay in a ball very similar to Tau, uh, where you, you play it like an aggressive Tau ball that happens to have a couple power fists buried inside of it. And um, it's just it's just a better melee army than Tau that does the same thing as Tau, and the drones have stalker bolt rifles. That's the best. In uh, one of the classes I teach on the Art of War Forum uh, on my website, I actually described what Richard's list to my groups as literally Tau in disguise. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's a better Tau list. Um, and hopefully Psychic Awakening will change that for Tau, but right now it, it functions very similarly. So I think it's I think it's an easy transition for Richard. Um, he can use a lot of the lessons he's learned with Tau and apply it to this army. And he's been able to practice with the list enough, I think, that... He'll be able to be he he will be able to be very successful with it, um, but I, I think it was the right choice in this scenario. Yeah, as a sports cliche guy, I got to say, like uh, defense wins championships, right? Like I think that's that's an astute call, and there's just very reliable damage output on top of it all, too. If I could go back and resubmit my list for LVO, um, I would 100% switch to maybe not point for point Richard and John's and Brohammer's list, but very very similar at the very least. Long yeah, it's silence. A, it's a really good, good list. Sorry, I coughed at the worst time right <laughs> in the transition. Um, yeah, it it's such a good list. The the cha- and it's probably going to put the Chaplain Dreadnought as the biggest model with a target on its back. Good, good. Get it out of here. I'm selling three Chaplain Dreadnoughts at LVO. By the way, talk to me after. Uh, the secondhand night. shop is not interested in any of any of your Chaplain Dreadnoughts. Not, uh, I don't want to be Captain Obvious here, guys, but there's this thing called Legends, and uh, I think like we're gonna lose like eighty percent of the Forge World indexes <laughs> if Legends ever happens to Forge World. So they'll leave and that includes the Chaplain Dread. No, they still sell Chaplain Dreads. No, they don't. No, they don't. Oh, they absolutely do not. Oh, well, then never mind. This entire motion to get all the Chaplain Dreads from LVO banned is because they don't sell Chaplain Dreads. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, we'll we'll see. GW is going to be there. I, I'm interested to look at some GW employees' faces when they see the amount of Chaplain converted Chaplain Dreads uh, on the tabletop in weird colors, in Ultramarines colors, but being played as White Scars. Because they absolutely love that. As something they adore, as you know, as the content creators and stuff, uh, or game creators. But, anyways, um, are there any factions that, in your guys' opinion, people are not talking about enough that Space Marine players or Eldar Chaos players should be worried about? Um, maybe Val, are there any stats or anything, or is this pretty much it? Is this it's the these three factions and literally every other faction clawing for a potential spot at going five and one? So I, I personally think that I theorize the list with Eric Lathuris from the you know Australia place over there, <laughs> uh, and uh, it was more or less three hundred gaunts with a squad of hive guard, and I didn't have the balls to run it because I don't hate my life like that. I, I don't like pushing around three hundred models; it just doesn't do it for me. Um, but at the same time. Looking at the meta, looking at what the top players have decided to bring, I think that list would have won LVO. Like, I, I honestly feel like that would have been the best shot to win the entire tournament, having now seen what people bring. Why is that? It's If you do it right on the table once you're playing it, it's almost impossible to score points off of You max Reaper, but aside from that, it's almost impossible to score points against it. Um, it actually, I think, does the... 
it does kind of the same denial style of point scoring that uh, Brohammer's Iron Hand's trying to do better than they do it. And the meta is so skewed right now for anti-marine, no one is equipped to kill 300 models. Absolutely no one. Would you say like uh, Liam Hackett, also Australian, and his uh, Grotz and Flashkits archetype, also kind of, that's almost the same idea. Yeah, I think it's definitely the same idea. It's just a, you know, same strategy, different execution. Uh, obviously, 300 bodies is the same, but then your support units are different. Nids do a bit more smite spam, and they have hive guard to shoot very efficiently from out of line of sight yeah. to pick up your kills. Liam's using flash kits with grot shields to shoot from line of sight and pick up your kills. Um, I think I prefer the Nid version personally, with, because just the tools it has versus the tools it works out. But fundamentally, it's the same exact concept. Um, I I agree with you guys. Uh, I actually said that when we were talking about the Australian, the glorious Australian horde meta um, back earlier this year. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who just aren't expected to kill three hundred cons, um, <clears throat> and that's a lot of what you see in the Australian meta. Uh, one thing, I, one Australian list I really like is Matt Morsoli's list. Uh, we saw the mass exodus away from Gene Circle and Plague Bearers. However, Matt Morsoli decided to bring nine Nurgling squads and 50 Plague Bearers in his list with some cultists. And <clears throat> the only thing he runs around with that is it's basically a smite, smite spam lift. He's got three Sorcerers in Terminator Armor, Thousand Sons, uh, three Demon Princes, two Demon Princes, uh, Armon, a Chaos Sword, and a big unit of Chaos Terminators with the Marcus Lanesh. So it's just, it's a horde list with smite spam it's similar to what you you know with the output it's similar to what you see out of the um chaplain dreadnought list iron hand list right you have the screens walking around with these tough characters but it's a little more balanced it's a really good list i really like matt morisoli's list but do you think nick um now that you brought up the gaunt list do you think that someone could roll into uh you know lvo with like a hundred plague bearers and do the same thing, or no, or it's not the critical mass you need to hit. So you, you I, need to see three hundred gaunts. Plague bearers, yeah, I would say you don't need three hundred gaunts per se, but you need something large unit sizes. So plague bears and gaunts both hit thirty. That's fine. So you can't just take a million ten man grot squads, for example, because mm-hmm. that's how you get kill and kill more and all that stuff. Um, so large unit sizes, fearless is key for those plague bears versus gaunts. Um, and ideally not eight-point models because Marines like to kill eight-point models when they could be killing four-point models. When you think about an Intercessor, and not that this is a way to evaluate evaluate value in 40k, but if you think about an Intercessor versus Gaunts, you're paying 17 points for one shot that might kill a Gaunt. Like, it's like not even 50% of the time it kills a Gaunt. That's really bad. Yeah, uh, the Stalker Bolt Rifle is not good at killing, you know low model obviously <coughs> it's it's but they're they're going after space marine lists they're not going after horde lists like you said right right it's just the counter meta call which uh you know usually I, I don't trust the counter meta call because some people can handle it and then you you end up going five and one pretty hard but in this format i think the only people who really have a shot are those who brought like 18 centurions mm. with hurricane bolters and as you said there's 400 centurions at uh, LVO, so maybe I'm being a little too premature here, but I think it's still a good call. I, if I could resubmit my list to something with an infinite supply of whatever models I choose, it would probably be 300 gods and high card and stuff. See, what's going to happen is, Nick, you're going to switch over to this list, and then you're going to immediately hit 
an Ultramarines player with 18 aggressors uh, right away and then still somehow beat them. That's what would actually happen. I actually think that list would beat 18 aggressors. Oh, well, there you go. Well, never mind. I just picked the first space marine list I could think of with with enough shots to kill 300 gods. I I get what you're saying, yeah. (laughs) I gotta say, like, there's there's probably a very good litmus test for this because CanCon is happening the same weekend. So that's the Australian Championships. Um, Did, uh, Nick, did did, uh, Lathuris actually bring this insanity? He bitched out, too. He gave me so much crap for not running. He's like, you're so weak. Why don't you run this? You'd win LVO. And I was like, nah, dude. I just don't hate myself. He's run that before. And then he, He's or something similar. He has. He yeah. has. And then, so I was like, wait a minute. You own this. You run this. Why don't you do that if you believe in it so hard? And he's like, bro, I'm never pushing around 300 gods again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, so instead, he settled. He actually won Gene Stealer Cult, which is, I, you know. I really hope he wins because I would love to see those guys actually do something relevant. Um, Bro won a GT with with uh, Grey Knights, so hey. I know if anyone's gonna pull a rabbit out of the hat with random army nonsense, it is him. Absolutely. So, so uh, speaking of random nonsense and rabbits out of hats, what are some lists that you three have kind of been looking at? Some ex- lists that excited you that are kind of on the unique end uh, that maybe you you know you can give a special shout out to the list creator or talk about it here on the show. Did go ahead. Yeah. All you. Okay, so I'll start off. Um, he's probably not going to like this because I'm giving him too much attention. Uh, Alex McDougal's uh, Regenerator Madness. Oh, hundred percent. Um, to be fair, we got to give Colin Sherman some credit with actually writing the damn thing. But uh, Alex McDougal is bringing, uh, I want to say, eight or nine Ridge Runners with uh, the old Kraken Gene Stealers to LVO. Um, I think it's more of a meme than an actual good list. Because while it's hilarious to have all the Doom Buggies running around, Mad Maxing people with Gene Stealers, like it looks like the most fun you can have with 40k. Um, it's it's surprisingly powerful in in a couple of the more popular matches. It's really good into chaos. Super good into chaos. Uh, you just line up those possessed, they say, hey, I'm going to hide them, and you say, oops, Gene Stealer cult, no you aren't, and then you just blow them off the table. It's hilarious. Um, they They've... But they've got some bad matchups. He could go second against random Space Marines and lose, I don't know, all nine Ridge Runners on turn one. Like, that's a thing that could happen. I think yeah, Manny Chima like, uh, could kill all nine Ridge Runners on turn on, uh, one. On stream. But <clears> if it went <throat> second, it would be bad. Um, I, I love the list because it looks super fun. Uh, so it's it's the darkest of horses for uh, actually top eighting at LVO. But um, it's fun and it's got a really good pilot. So that would be my shout out. Okay. Val and Nick. Um, Val, you can go next. I would just say anyone running three kings of beers. Um, I think um, Goface is uh, not Goface. Goatboy is uh, is is running three of those guys, and I think that's hilarious. And uh, it looks like a lot of fun. Three. I think he's trying to say Lord of Skulls. Lord of Skulls. Yeah, the king yeah, of beers. The three. The, the yeah. I, actually, there's a pa- a patron who had, who had questions about the Lord of Skull list, and I guess there's some talk that it's like secretly good against certain space marine lists i guess <clears throat> i don't know anything about it so it's it's like a knight army that's a better knight yeah. army you okay think of it. yeah it's it's better than knights in every way except for rotating uh ion shields you got to rely uh, on a master no, they'll actually just have four ups because you'll have them yeah, next, master yeah, you just got to keep them alive is the only is the only trick to this I don't know. I think it's just a... Now, you want to talk about a meme list? I think that's a glorious meme list. And that's the kind of fantasy I've had about the Stompa for so long. And I'm a bit annoyed that the Lord of Skulls gets to do this. 
and the Stompa doesn't, but that's fine. Um, go, go, Lord of Skulls. That's a spirit. You can run one Stompa, uh, Val. Run, run one Stompa, two kill tanks. I mean that that's that's the road to glory right there. <laughs> uh, what about what about you mentioned Andrew Gagno's list actually, um, a little earlier. What about uh something like that, like just like an Imperial Soup good list? Yeah, I think. So I've been working on Sisters with him to some degree. Uh, this latest version is mostly his own, so I can't claim any real credit for it. But a lot of his initial ideas, he was bouncing back and forth with me. Um, Sisters, I think, are very uniquely placed in the meta to be a really good spoiler. And I don't think they're amazing as a mono codex. They just, they're still missing tools and whatnot. But Space Marines do actually plug their holes really, really well. Space Marines plugs so Sisters' holes really well. Huh? Space oh, Marines no. plug Sisters' holes. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, All no. day long. So, uh, Andrew's list is definitely one I, I take very seriously, and I think he will go very far with it. Maybe not 6-0, because jank is jank, and sometimes it doesn't carry you far enough. <laughs> um, but he definitely, it, it is a list to watch out for. <clears throat> right on. Um, and then I can't really, uh, I, I, you guys named a couple. The only one I would, I would maybe bring up is Don Hooson, because Don Hooson keeps bothering me. Or not could be bothering you about his list, about why... No one was talking about Heldrakes and his list. Um, so, Don, I'm not going to talk about your list because I don't want your head to get any bigger. I want you to be able to fit through the doors of the LVO. However, it is a unique list. So, you know, head on over to Don Houston's blog if you want to know more information about that list as well. <clears throat> All right. I'm a little disappointed no one mentioned White Scars. Just a little. You, what was that? Say that again. I said I'm a little disappointed no one mentioned White Scars. Just a little bit, though. We've talked about White Scars at length. Nick, do you want to talk about your list a little more? Go no. right ahead. No, I wanted you to talk about it. It's late now. You've ruined the moment. I mean, you, <laughs> you, you did also moments ago say that you would much rather be playing the Brohammer list. That's true. That's why I wanted Pablo to talk about it. Maybe get my excitement back. <laughs> <laughs> he also said that sometimes Jenk doesn't carry you far enough, and it's hard to go 6-0 with that. So Fair. Fair. I'll be fine. Well, where would he be, be without fine. the Jank? The Jank. Homa. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, there, there's so many interesting lists and there's actually a lot of uh, statistics as well Val you've got some rundowns on some interesting stats that Peter pulled out Peter's been working hard while we've been talking this oh, yeah. entire time and I know you have some interesting stuff so why don't you regale us with, with some of the cool facts that the, the Falcon gave you um, yeah, well, I'll, let's, let's have a quick little rundown here. I, I have have this in a really loose uh, chat. Um, so let me see what I can find. Just some broad meta stats. Bear with me. I'm sure you'll edit this out, right, Pablo? Uh, I can if you want. However, <clears throat> I want to talk about the 600 Eliminators showing up in Space Marine lists. Uh, also, not just space marine lists. You see a lot of people actually bringing eliminators. Now, I've got a question for John and Nick. Uh, are eliminators overrated right now? Because they are everywhere. They're very unique. Um, overrated might not be the right word. I think people are expecting I took eliminators. I'm going to kill every character in the world. Not going to happen. <laughs> people who are, are taking eliminators to make people use their characters very not the way they want to be used or actually do threaten them or over time pick away small crappy characters like spirit seers or things like that actually going to work so if that's something your list wants as a tool that's a way to get it if you don't care 
it is 210 points you get to save. Yeah, it, I do feel like Eliminators are tacked on the lists where they probably don't make as much sense, um, especially lists that uh, like to kind of just abandon them in random spots, like like a Raven Guard and Null Deploy lists, or lists that like to spread around across the board and leave the Eliminators kind of just chilling there, you know? Um, yeah, I think they have to go in a very specific list, uh, but they are phenomenal with Master Artisans. Like, absolutely great. They they do so much work. Um, <clears throat> Don, you're running nine of them. What's your take? Um, yeah, I've I've played with eliminators a lot. Um, I'm surprised that there are 600. So there's more eliminators than assault centurions. Is basically what I'm hearing. Yes, yes. It's probably more than there are necron players in the world. Let's let's also be honest here. <laughs> um, so low, I would. Um, low on this. I'm surprised there are that many because I think that they're they're very. It's very easy to look at them and think that they're going to be good. But they really, they never do as much as you expect. Uh, honestly, I'm just there because my opponents will all think that they're good. So hopefully no one I play listens to this and realizes they don't actually kill characters. They just make people walk away from them. And that's more valuable than killing them because if they get in range, I'm just going to whiff and not do enough damage. It always happens. They always have one wound left. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're really more of a tool than an actual hammer. You know, they're, they're just... They're kind of they're kind of a boogeyman. Like I, I have a very yeah. direct list. Um, you know, as, as I'm sure you've noticed, it's very blunt. You can kind of see what it's doing. The eliminators are there just to give it at least one other dimension, so that people don't just sit behind the L and feel safe. Because you know, give me two turns and I'll pick off a a captain or a, a company commander or something. Like I'll kill something if you give me a couple turns just sitting there. Um, and that's really all I expect them to do. Um. I'm surprised there are that many, and I don't think that they're needed in most Space Marine lists. Just because, uh, just for points, they're they're they are kind of expensive. They're like a more expensive. Um, they're really just a more expensive intercessor, um, durability wise. So I I don't love them. I, I I really put them in there just so that Chaos players would have to think about it uh, more than anything. I'm also else. generally surprised that there's so many limiters because opportunity cost is a real thing for space room players because they have so many good units in that book. So to have so many people just be like, I'm going to insert nine eliminators here. Uh, that's very surprising because you could have inserted 15 more intercessors or almost nine suppressors. One whirlwind scorpius. One scorpius. Yeah. There's a lot of other stuff you could have put in. So interesting to see so many people going with intercessors. Yeah. They're also super splashable as well. Um, which I think is what kind of also attributes to their popularity. You know, it's just for 70-something points, they bring something to guard lists, knight lists, sisters lists, admech lists that they just simply don't have access to in this little cheap sub-100 point efficient infiltrating unit that can that's kill true. characters. So I think that's also part to do with their overpower. I, I've been looking at a lot of lists, a lot of admech lists, um, imperial knight lists that, that bring them just just to kind of add another dimension, like what Nick did, Nick was talking about, uh, or excuse me, John, John was talking about. Um, but I'm not sure if, if eliminators are, are the answer you want for that. Um, but yeah, I, I will say that a lot of those armies like Admech in particular are very shooty gunline based armies. And one of the main ways of handling a shooty gunline is having character spam, hiding behind things that don't die, and then being characters that you can't shoot. Very effective. So having a shooting army now have a tool to deal with characters is a really good dimension for that gunline list. Mm. And they can move and shoot the characters pretty easily too, so they can they can move and switch in between fire lanes. They're cool little versatile units. Uh, but yeah, um, Val. Yes. Was that enough time 
to get you to pull up the information needed. That was unbelievable hosting. That was all star hosting right there. I have to I have to say thank you for that for that uh wonderful filler content. So yeah, I've just got some meta stats. Um just like the overall weighting of of, of the factions that have been brought. So guys what is what is uh, you've seen the you've scrolled through all the lists. I don't know if someone else has crunched these numbers elsewhere, but what percentage of the LVO is Space Marines or supplements? I would think forty percent. We got a forty. We got a forty. We got a forty. Nick, uh, I'm gonna go got? thirty-six. Are we doing prices right? Say again. Are we playing prices right rules here? Yeah. Oh. Oh, Pablo. <laughs> Damn. Wait, I forget how that works. Um, thirty-nine point nine percent. One dollar. I was gonna. Uh, I'm gonna go with thirty-two. Okay. Uh, thirty-six. I'll cut the metal. You guys are all over. It's actually twenty-seven percent of the of the meta is uh, Marines out of the out of the Codex. Um, when you add in um, Blood Angels, they get up to around thirty percent. And this is that using is the old. Shocking. By the way, this is the old uh, uh, faction method. This is what Pete uses. Essentially, the majority um, points in the list is how he ascribes to the faction. Um, okay, so so this would include Imperium lists too, then, right? So this would th- well, it could. These it are includes not Imperium lists that are just a lot of points that have a lot of points. So they would actually mm-hmm. be okay. So that that makes sense because I was about my next question was going to be, well, how many Imperium lists are there? Because those are Space Marine players too. But we don't, yeah, nice. we don't have uh, we don't have the Imperium breakout because of the way. How many Eldar lists are there of the Eldar? Well, here let's let's let's, let's finish up uh, of uh, yeah, yeah, the finish Marine your, stuff first. Spiel. Of the yeah, two hundred and fourteen yeah. Marine lists, about half of them are are Iron Hands. Uh, and then the rest break down as 32% primary Raven Guard, 36 of them are primary Fists, 26 of them are primary Ultras, and that precious snowflake, Nick Natavati, one of 13 White Scars players. Yeah, uh, yeah boy! To be wait, showing wait. up. Where are the Salamanders? Uh, Salamanders he didn't write down, so maybe not enough to care about? I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, wow. 30... Um, I know some people brought Salamanders. One of my buddies brought Salamanders, yeah, so... I'm, uh, they do exist. And then uh, on the, we'll skip to Eldar then. So there are 65 Craft World Eldar lists, uh, one Yanari list, 31 Drukari, and six Harlequin lists. And of the Drukari ones, apparently a lot of them are packing a Seer Council in there. <clears throat> wow. How many fists did you say there were? Uh, Imperial Fist list, 36. Wow. All right. So trying to dodge Eldar, Iron Hands, and Fist. That's only about a hundred, two hundred lists. Okay, right. one third of the tournament, we got this. Only two hundred lists, and all of the best players. Um, so <laughs> yeah. the, um, so that was uh, Craft World Eldar's, and then on Chaos, there's hundred and forty six Chaos lists. There's wow. a there's a meta faction of which there there's sixty seven of them are majority Chaos Space Marines, fourteen are majority Demon, twenty six are majority Death Guard, uh, and thirty are majority Chaos Knights. Eight are majority to Thousand Suns. Those guys going for that precious faction. Um, and then uh, rounding it all up in the poor, poor Xenos category, we got 37 Tau players, period. Uh, 27 Nid players. 33 Orc players. 22 Brave Necron players, who actually are doing well in this meta-ish, as well as they've done. Uh, nine, gene, nine, nine Gene Stealer cults. Oh, my God. Wow. Those brave people. Wow. <laughs> but also... Talk but also, that is a fall grace. from grace. That's yeah. crazy. Um, 31 guard players, uh, 24 custodies, and this is this would be an actual number because this is him checking the list. 21 sisters players. If I were to tell you two years ago that the LVO 
would have more Imperial Fist players than Gene Circle and Inari players combined, you would call me insane. Twice as many. Twice as many. More, more than twice. Three times as many. Yet here we are with more Imperial Fist players than we do have Gene Steeler Colt and Inari players and Necron players. Let's throw that in there too. What this really goes to show you, Pablo, is that people are loyal to their factions regardless of power. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, there's all those Imperial Fist homers out there. You, you, you all two of you. <laughs> but I think that, I think this also shows that I think the general analysis, like when is 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 accurate in the sense that you know your factions are for the, for this thing. Your 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 uh, your clubhouse leaders are Marines, uh, Chaos, and Eldar. Yeah. So so last year at the LVO, um, it, so the LVO every year you always see, you know, a kind of a, a hyper focus of what the best you know factions are, and, and it's just people bring their their best lists. People bring even the best versions of their shitty faction lists. Uh, you see that every year at the LVO, um, which is why during but when Battle Company came out, we saw almost fifty percent usage for Battle Company in seventh edition. And while you're kind of seeing this really crazy skew now, um, it really makes me kind of bummed because last year at the LVO, we we had every faction represented, um, every faction go five and one, every faction represented at the LVO who went five and one, which is which is impressive. It was a super super. It felt a lot more balanced than this current you know LVO where it feels very unbalanced. Um, we have such a skew, and I don't think you know I don't have any reason to believe that. The Space Marine, Eldar, and Chaos players aren't going to make up eighty, you know, plus percent of the top fifty or the top one hundred. I think I don't know. I, I think this is still, if we're if we're like looking at it through a seventh edition lens, this is still an amazing amount of diversity. Yes, I think compared even, to seventh you, edition, yes. I, I will say one of the nice things about it is while the major factions are there's three, the lists do vary. Yeah, exactly. There's fists, there's hands, there's white scars. Apparently, there's Raven Guard. There's Seer Councils, Skyweaver, Shining Spears, Planes. There's Possessed and Metamorphosely still rocking Blade Bears. So yeah. you are seeing options. I agree. I agree. There's a lot of list diversity still, uh, though faction diversity is what what uh, controls the optics of the game, what controls how people you know go to tournaments, make decisions on getting into this game or not. Um, so faction optics are unfortunately something I like to focus more on as... Um, as a content producer and entertainer, um, just because that's what people care about more. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. List diversity is very, very, very high still. And even compared to 7th edition, we still have a high faction uh, diversity as well. We still have factions like Necrons, Thousand Sons, Death Guard, who could still potentially go 5-1 and one at the LVO. Um, and even though they don't necessarily make up, you know, they make up 2% or whatever of the whole meta. Yeah, the end one stories will be will be fun uh, because I think there's like there's going to be all kinds of awesome little janky lists that'll sneak into that five n one. What'll be interesting to see is like, will there be a like real outside like out of left field option coming through the uh, the ghost round or like getting getting even getting to the ghost round? I think that's going to be the interesting one. What was that? Three hundred gods. I don't think three hundred gods <laughs> exist, my friend. I However, that's at the LVO. Yeah. Um, Can I take two yellow cards and bring 300 gods? I would like to point out um, some other stats that uh, Pete did provide. 22 of those chaos lists uh, feature a possessed bomb of some kind. Um, and to just haunt Pablo's nightmares, he pointed out that old Molly, the Malice Scepter, shows up 10 times 
at the LVO. Ten times too many. <laughs> there are more Malice Scepters than Dune Storkel players. That is correct. That is that is a painful <sighs> stat if I ever did hear that it. That is beautiful. <laughs> that is... I, I love my genes like cult, but I'm happy the Malaceptor's getting some. Love. There are 300. <laughs> this actually feels low to me. 356 Thunderfire cannons. That does feel low. Well, uh, no, because it's not like every Marine list runs one. There's not 356 Marine lists. It's like that means most Marine li- or a portion of the Marine lists aren't running one, which is crazy. Yeah, they're the not. Entire running. Brohammer team is responsible for this statistic. Yeah, the 356 Thunderfire cannons. Um, I might take it with a grain of salt because. That's 356 unique units of Thunderfire Cannons versus 450 uh, Centurions is either 150 or less unique Centurion units, right? So um, you divide by three. So that's a... Unless unless does Pete count the number of models or the number of units? Well, the number of of times the the entry. Wouldn't that be the same thing for Thunderfire Cannon? For uh, Thunderfire, well, yeah, for Thunderfire, yeah, but not for Centurions. Oh no, those those models for the Centurions. You take okay. Eight, so yeah. so then so then there's like if there are 450 Centurions, I'm just rounding up just for ease. Then then at minimum there's 150 units of Centurions, uh, which if you do two units per list, there's only like 75 lists running Centurions, which which is super super simple math there. Yeah. But um, compared to 300, you know, almost 400 Thunderfire cannons, where that's actually three per list, that's actually more than 100 Space Marine lists with Thunderfire cannons in them. Yeah. So, and, and it's got to be more than that because not every list has three Thunderfire cannons. So Amen. it could also be lot, the splash. A lot of Thunderfire builds. cannons. I'm yeah. actually really impressed, Pablo. That was like math that made sense and wasn't wrong. Yeah, I try. I try. You know, I got a C plus in algebra in high school once, so. Anyways, it's yeah. It's a I lot can of good feel stuff. Pablo blushing right now. Like that is. <laughs> He's like, I got that C plus when I was eight years old. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, there were also some other things. Um, Val, what's the what's the most common um, template or uh, uh, yeah, I guess uh, army list template. The large blast marker. Yeah, and, uh, I really believe I, I believe I have a a Peter list as well um, too, but I'm, I'm trying to find it now. This, uh, 15, this, this uh, you're, you're leading me down a road. I do not know the uh, the, That's okay. the way to. I've got my own my own Peter correspondence as well. Uh, oh, 120 chaplain dreadnoughts, which is actually really low. I expected a lot more than that. That's a lot of chaplain dreadnoughts. 120 is for is, a unit you never saw until last month. It's pretty. That's high. a lot. That's not. I, that's less than I thought, but that's still a lot. But it's less than I expected. 200 plus chaplain dreadnoughts. John, how many people on Brohammer brought your exact list? Um, oh, jeez. Um, Ten? Six? Six? Six, okay. Okay, but there's also my list without Eliminators with a Scorpius. That popped up one, twice. Um, then there's my list without Eliminators with a Centurion unit. That's another two times. Okay, so like... Like the, the large brick of Iron Hand intersects with Leviathan? I, I think it's a solid ten. How many Leviathans are at LBO? Do we know that? Could we could we bug Peter to tell us? Uh, he did not include that in his in his quick roundup. I would not bug I would not bug him. Could, he is, is, uh, is there a way you can put all the lists into one giant like text document and then just press Control F? Yeah, that's, if they were all formatted identically, maybe. Uh, that's kind of the concept between what Best Coast Pairings does, but people screw this up all the time. And also, they would have to spell Centurion the same way every time. Good luck. 
<laughs> I can tell you for a fact I spelled units wrong. Your chai sword on the daily. <laughs> oh, Peter knows. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, this isn't as accurate as as I would like it. However, it's accurate enough for a company like GW to say to look at these stats and go like, okay, this is what's selling, this is what isn't. Um, and that's ultimately the goal of uh, something like this is to not only for entertainment purposes, but also to eventually, you know, be able to present something to GW via all of our multiple medias and tell them, hey, this is what's wrong with your game. This is what's right. This is what people are taking. Um, and uh, you can be for 100% sure that come April, when the April FAQ rolls around, uh, GW is going to be looking back at the stats and the results of the LVO to make their decisions. That's 100% going to happen. And Chaplain Dreads will get another 30-point decrease. <laughs> oh, gosh. What I'm secretly awesome. hoping is that Games Workshop noticed that a ton of people bought the Death Company Dreadnought to convert into Chaplain Dreadnoughts, and they're going to respond to this by nerfing the Death Company Dreadnought. Oh, they have no idea. They, they, yeah, they don't they, know that. Yeah, yeah. They're probably like they're probably going to add it into a start collecting new start collecting Blood Angels box with the Ball Predator and, and some scouts or something. I don't know. Like... It's it's not going to be good. They're like, oh, we should sell this more of this dreadnought. We don't know why we're selling it, but we're going to create the start collecting Blood Angels 2020 box of the future with a ball predator, a death a dreadnought, and some scouts, and a captain, a tech marine actually, and then call it a day. And then they'll never sell anything any start collecting Blood Angels boxes for the next three years, and they have no idea. Why. That's that's probably how it's going to go down. I believe. I'm working on a little something about faction diversity here, so just bear with me a hot minute. Okay. Um, So uh, there's uh, 100 Crimson Hunter Exarchs as well uh, from looking through what Peter has here. Uh, If you had a choice between running Eldar or Chaos, Nick, which Eldar list would you run and which Chaos list would you run? I would run... Probably point for point TJ's chaos list. Okay, it's a pretty good list. And Eldar, I really actually like Sean Naden's list. I think it's very strong. Um, <laughs> trying to think of I liked a lot of Eldar lists. So I'm trying to think if there's any others that I want to consider. I did actually try Chris Blackham's list in a GT. I went four and one with it. Um, so I, I kind of ruled it out in my brain, but it's also a very strong list. But I think I would pick Sean's. It, it looks like an interesting list. Um, I, I don't understand anything that it does, so it looks like a classic kind of Sean Naden list. Uh, and uh, actually, now that I have both of you here, Nick, have you put your top eight LVO predictions anywhere on the web uh, live? You, you gave us. Uh, I got you gave interviewed. Us some. I did. I got interviewed by the 40K Stat Center, and we talked about it in there. Um, okay. John Lennon, top eight LVO. I did the exact same thing, same episode. Damn it, 40K Stat Center. Scooped you. Second best podcast is show and chapter tactics. What a a great opportunity to segue to what I was trying to talk about, which is um, just talking about like faction diversity, because I think one thing that we don't want to overstate too much is, so I counted up very quickly, 27 roughly factions in 40K right now, which is kind of insane. And there's actually more than that, because I cut out like a few. Um, But if we look at it that way, and we just look at like um, space marines in general, um, and this doesn't even have the supplements included in here. There's six sort of 
like power armor imperium factions out of those 27 so there's 22 percent of all factions are are just space marines in power armor that includes like blood angels death watch and that kind of stuff if you add in the six supplements and you know so you you actually bring that number up to what 11 really because you take away the main space marines codex and it's going to be 11 of 33 it's almost a third really of all of all factions in the game are power armor space marines so yes. a third of this event is power armor space marines this might just be a not only are they good yes but it's also a reflection of the total percentage that they actually house meanwhile like xenos so like i'm when i say xenos i mean everyone but eldar is about 20 percent of all available factions there's five of them um, yeah you know, Eldar is, there's four books, it's 15%. So they usually punch above their weight, but they're usually like, even at the height of, of Yunari's power, 15%, 10%, like that was about as big as it ever got. So I think they're kind of range bound just because of, of the way, the, aside from the top players who move and meta chase, like the two fine gentlemen on, on the, on the show today, most people probably aren't doing that. They're just walking into the store, randomly falling in love with something and it's going to fall statistically um, along those lines, and I think that's why we see the sort of split that we're seeing. Yeah, uh, and also that that those same that same theory and numbers uh, kind of just shows how, how bad of a spot Space Marines were in before their Codex because they were hitting ten percent. Yeah, you know if they were lucky. Yeah, um, which is god awful for the you know like you said the the faction that makes up a third of their entire faction line and i would maybe even argue maybe even more model wise because the space marine model range is huge uh you know it's weird that no one's done that bean counting as well this is a super aside but there's no there's no like collector website that actually tracks like like citadel models this is what i've come to like i've I've gone looking a few times just to see like has anyone actually counted how many models are in each line i don't think I don't even think Games Workshop probably has an idea. I just don't think anyone can count that high for the Space Marines. It's wild. Yeah. I remember the first time I opened it, like, I haven't, I've never owned a Space Marine Codex until this one, obviously. And uh, I was just like, blown away by how many active, like, data when, uh, sheets there are. When 8th Edition's Index came out, and, like, every different, like, there were seven captains, because Captain and Gravis, uh-huh. Jump Pack Bike, whatever. When there were so many units in the Index, I, my computer couldn't load it. Oh, no, that's a lot. Uh, yeah. yeah, so, uh, you know, it's really interesting. Val, do you have anything else to add from those Peter stats? Uh, no, I think we've actually exhausted every Facebook Messenger message that they that he sent us. Perfect. Uh, I agree. <laughs> so, so uh, kind of cap off everything uh, before we get to the end of the show and the Patreon questions. Uh, even though we have these space marines lists um dominating everything under the space marine boogeyman uh and then you know we do have less faction diversity i think that the amount of players we have currently uh i can check this list right now give me a few seconds to figure out how many people there are currently 974 players registered for the lvo with i think like 800 a little over 800 with actual lists uploaded um so we don't know how many somewhere between 974 and 800 people are going to show up at the lvo uh we have exactly if everyone were to show up we have exactly like 10 spots left in the 40k champs after drops and all that that are probably going to get taken up immediately by walk-ons and stuff it's just it is insane how how quickly the lvo 
scaled and how many players, the phenomenal players there are going to be. You know, we have Matt Morisoli coming. We have this amazing cadre of UK players uh, coming from, you know, the, and also just from the EU in general. And on top of all the coverage we did for the year, you know, rounding up these amazing players and enough so that we have this fantasy draft. Uh, so it's really exciting. And if you're listening to this now and you pay attention to the coverage, uh, don't focus on the factions. Focus on the unique, amazing play you'll see and also just how many good players there are uh, and how many resources and, and you know, people you follow you people you can follow on facebook and stuff so super cool very very exciting stuff all right is there anything else to add on the subject before we move on john nick or val no i think i think we killed it perfect all right so at the end of every episode we do like to open the floor over to the patrons if you're interested you can head on over to patreon.com slash Consider supporting the podcast. It keeps the lights on. It helps Val buy expensive fancy drones. Actually, not really. He did that all on his own. However, if you oh want Val to buy two drones <laughs> for the LVO drone cam, you can head on over to patreon.com slash and help us out. All of that stuff, all those proceeds, help us out to make coverage better and more awesome. I don't know if there's any drone aficionados out there, but it turns out drones are like so cool. So at the very least, I got a really neat toy. Drones are awesome. Drones drones are so cool. So we're going to have a drone cam at Delvio. Val's been talking about it nonstop. I'm super pumped for it. But the reason I brought that up is so you can sign up for Patreon to ask us questions. Then of every episode, we open the floor to patrons. Uh, and first patron question comes up from Mr. Kelsey. If Adam and Nick, actually, they thought all Adam, they all thought Adam Camilleri was going to be on this. So if uh, Nick and John Lennon had to draft someone for their fantasy 40k team besides themselves, one person that you had to have, who would it be? It's actually for all three of you. I would pick Richard Siegler as my first pick. Uh, Homer. I, Richard Siegler's my boy. Um, I... That seems cliche, just pick the number one in the ITC, so I'm going to change the question and pick a dark horse person who I would want to take in a late round, and that's Michael Snyder. Damn it, he's mine. You know Michael Snyder has a better winning record at the LVO than Brandon Grant does I actually at all do the LVOs? That. I think you said that on a previous episode, and I actually... Yeah, he has. You listen to Chapter Tactics. I'm so, so happy. But it, but yeah, Michael Snyder is... That makes is one a, person. He was my, pick, my dark horse pick last year, and John Lennon ruined it. So I might as well ruin it for other people. Pick Michael Snyder if you if you're fantasy drafting. Um, he's a good late round pick. I think he only has like four events so far, so he's like nowhere near a relevant ranking right now. No, not at all. And there's actually a couple people like that too. So if you if you're definitely around and you do your research, uh, you can definitely find people like that. So go to the ITC rankings and Control F four of five. There you go. Uh, okay, so uh, Nick and Val. I think I think I think Nick answered uh, Mr. Siegler. I said sorry, Siegler, I'm sorry, but Powell. like John said, it was a uh, it's a cliche pick. So for a dark horse pick, uh, it's a tough question. I don't know. Snyder was a good dark horse. I'm going to go with Ben Sherwin. I think he's gonna he's gonna definitely go five and one. I'll say absolutely. Ben, I slept on Ben last year. I had a chance to draft him and I didn't. And I think. That part of the reason is what what cost me the draft, but Ben is uh, especially this year has absolutely picked it up, um, and I wouldn't sleep on him. It's a good dark horse pick. I'm gonna go deep, mostly uh, mostly name checking here. He actually led 
I think he was number one at Nova going into the final bracket. Uh, Jeremy Knox, uh, who I who I got to play and is and I've and I've got to chat with him a lot. And I'm making my draft board right now, and I saw his name. What is he playing this year? Uh, he's uh, rocking the Iron Hands, according to uh, BCP. I like that pick a lot, actually. I really like Jeremy's listed. It has some similarities to uh, ours. Uh, and I, I got to play Jeremy at Nova after they set those final brackets. Um, and he's a very good player, so I, I would not be surprised to see him do very well. But he's not uh, hes not really an established name in the scene yet. You know, he hasn't gone and won a super major. So if you're doing a fantasy draft, I bet a lot of people wouldn't take him initially. But I, I think he's a good candidate to do very well. He's a, he's a, he's, yeah, he's, he's a... He's an out of nowhere type guy, but hey, if he's got the list and he's uh and he's and he's, I don't know, he's got the hustle. He's, he knows what he's doing, so we'll see what happens. Yep. Um. There's so many people. Uh. One person who just barely cut the top seventy-five. Who um maybe people haven't I haven't heard anyone talk about Justin Curtis. Even though he's a phenomenal player, um I haven't heard anyone talk about drafting him. But I would definitely look at someone like Justin Curtis he, who maybe he's never done worse than five and one at all. Never. Yeah. Like Fire period. Call. Like you know, and he's a super smart guy. So, um, anyways, uh, all right, let's oh, go oh, on to oh, 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 one more, oh, one more. Oh, oh, this is the guy, by the way, who I was referring to, who has actually won an event, uh, won an LVO, and is on the board still, Mister Alex Harrison. Yeah, I went there. We're going, we're going, with Alex Harrison. There you go. I mean, you know, uh, play antics aside, uh, he wouldn't be a bad pick. Dude. So. He I mean, played with like three judges. From a historical perspective, he's been time. to LVO twice. He's won and gotten second. So it's true. From a statistical standpoint, he is by far your best shot. Yeah. All right. So next, next question. Um, how well do you think Josh wants to know? How well do you think the Triple Lord of Skulls lists will do? Better than Knights. I think I we already do. talked about it a little. I think they'll do as well as any knight army can expect to do, which is hopefully I think a five and stomp one. on people. I think I think a couple of knight lists will make five and one. Do you not think that the heretic Astartes keyword and the the demon what demon forge? No, is that right? Demon. I think it's a demon. It's got the demon keyword and the mark of corn and heretic. Like that's a lot of rules on top of being a knight. I don't know. I think they're a bit better than regular ass knights. Aren't they like they're they're better, but I think the things that beat regular ass knights will still beat them because fundamentally it's a big model that dies to things that kill. Yeah, that's true. Still a big model that doesn't go in buildings. Uh, So next question, Spencer wants to know: How much trouble do you think Space Marines would have if the Psychic Awakening Four was allowed with Thousand Suns and Green Knights and uh, Dark Angels? Although, let's be honest, Thousand Suns and Green Knights. Well, how how much trouble do you think space students would have if if that's like getting was allowed? I have no idea what the new great knights do. I think so they're dangerous. I think they're. I don't know. Lennon, have you back me up on this? They seem like they could be OP. I'm. I'm maybe I'm crazy. No, I'm actually. Um, great knights are my dark horse for next year. Honestly, um, I think the new great knight rules how? are absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, so, I think they're a bit crazy. How are you they're reading even, the great knights? Not even a dark right horse. So no, like they're they're amazing. I mean, dark horse right now because no one. Sure, sure, yeah. So my, my regular practice partner was best Grey Knights in the ITC last year, uh, David Ozawa, calling you out, big guy. Um, he, I, like, they're terrifying to me. Like, regular Grey Knights scare me more than Craft World Elvar. And these new rules are bonkers. Yeah. I don't, I haven't fully processed because I read it and got scared. And I'm like, yeah. I can't think about this until after LVL. Like, this is too much. Yeah, I think I think early season, like they're they're definitely an Adepticon pick for sure. Oh yeah, like, Adepticon, they're gonna be everywhere because everyone still has their stupid fifth edition Grey Knight armies. Yeah, 
Like basically an unkillable paladin blob and like six units of strikes that can all do two damage smites on like a four. Are you kidding me? It's nuts. These future rules. Each, <laughs> each Grey Knight squad that casts a uh, cast smite on a warp charge three because they're plus one to cast naturally. And you can do one command point to give the whole darn army plus one to cast essentially. Well, yeah, it's range bound, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's within six inches of, of a given unit, which yeah. could be like a strike squad that's spread out. Each successful, like, warp charge three smite kills two possessed models. Think about that. Yep. Oh, wow. Like, it's auto four. It's auto four. It's auto four. Your standard battalion, two HQs, three troops, picks up uh, ten possessed if it passes three, if it rolls, you know, not snake eyes five times in a row. But possessed, can they auto come back thanks to that demon? No, you demon cannot thing? use demon stratagems on them. They just die. They just die. The, the possessed list you dies at LVO. You can spend two CP to bring yep. back one model. Value. The possessed list dies at LVO. Like it, it it'll do yeah, well at LVO, but after that, it's done. Grey knights yeah. exist. It can't. It can't compete with that. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, so before we move on to the next Patreon question, we have a live last minute breaking news update. Scary made his two picks. Oh shit. So we are now officially done with round one, and then give you a sneak peek into round two. So Scary with the eleventh pick in round one, drafted Andrew Ganya to his team. Ooh, no surprises like there. It. Not a, it's a good pick. And strong then pick. number two, packed up by another strong pick, Alex McDougal. Yes, he went with us. Uh, Canadian Very aggressive like pick it. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, betting on the Ridge Runners. So uh, I think those are the, I think those picks make perfect sense. Um, Oscar does not have access to the list. He made uh, he made that um, those picks blind, just off of the top of his head. Uh, didn't have the list with him, but yeah, I, I think those are good lists. Those are good picks. All right, awesome. So whose turn is it to pick it next? Mister Adam Camilleri from the Down Under Network, and uh, I think he's, he's aware of it. He's fresh out of Australians, so he's got he's gonna yeah. have to dig deep. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Uh, uh, matter of fact, is uh, Scary's next question was before he made his pick was Eric, is Eric from Australia going to the LVO? If so, I pick him. And we're like, oh no. So Scary was even trying to pick up Australians that Adam might have picked. <laughs> Scary's Canadian, so he probably exhausted all his Canadian options. And then he had to pick a foreigner again. Uh, well, we got Tim Vessel. Tim, no, there's, there's some good gone. ones. Tim Deedlips? Oh, that's true. Is Jim Vessel gone? Yeah, he's I'm gone. sure there's more. He's already picked. Jim Vessel's off the board. It's true. He's off the board. I can't. Yeah. Anyways, um, all right. Next Patreon question: uh, What do you think is the solution to the Space Marine problem? Uh, do you think they need to be nerfed? And if so, how? So, John Lennon, Val, and Nick, bandage, whatever you have, answer to the Space Marine problem. How do you fix it? Um. My my personal thing is that I think that each doctrine needs to be once a game. Uh, you in one movement phase, you you say I'm going to use Devastator doctrine. You get it till your next movement phase. You get that for one battle round to turn uh, a game, and then maybe have a two or three command. I think three command point. Pick a doctrine you've already used. Use it again. Three command points. So you get it at most twice a game because it's it's Imperial fists and Iron hands that get their super doctrine six turns in a row every time without fail you can't do anything about it i think that's bad and then you nerf the chapel dread uh, so so you feel so okay so you're saying that you don't get your doctor abilities too so if you're iron hands you wouldn't get the reroll ones to hit and stuff either you get nothing uh you you get it during your active devastator doctrine because 
I don't think Games Workshop is just going to remove rules. My first suggestion would be literally remove the super doctrines. Just take all six, take all of them out of the game. That's, That's what I thought. I thought. That, that, but, that would have been my. But I, I don't think that they'll they'll realistically do that because they don't want to just remove something. So I think you just limit each doctrine to one battle round a game, and you get your super doctrine during that the one turn. I have a, a similar solution, but not quite the same. I think you have to move from doctrines every turn. So same progression, heavy to tactical to assault. And then if you want to stay in Assault, you can, because it's Assault, and you took you three turns to get there, it's kind of the least powerful of the Doctrines. Um, or you could do it where you have to just keep cycling every turn. So at least, like, if you build a Imperial Fist Gun line, it's not in Devastator Doctrine the entire time, or it's only in Devastator Doctrine on turn one, then you blew your load, that kind of thing. So similar concept, just uh, I don't want to punish like a White Scars army who, who's really not doing anything wrong here, or just an assault-based space marine army in general who's relatively underpowered for the sins of the fists and the hands. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's, 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 a good, that's a good suggestion. Val? Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I think they're doing it. I think uh, you fix space marines by raising the power curve for everybody else. And I think... Um, whether or not I, I get the sense that there's an edition coming. I've, I've felt that way just by looking at the calendar and how long eighth edition has been around and what they've done in the past. I, I would be shocked if we get into June and there's not another, uh, and there's not, uh, you know, some form of a, you know, eighth ed 2.0 or just a new edition period. Um, and I feel like if you look at the tail end of seventh, they kind of just left the hose on, uh, and then like <laughs> went and did something else. <laughs> and that's the impression I have right now. So it's kind of an untended garden. And it does feel like though, that they, with, with psychic awakening, they have been bringing up, um, you know, I think the power level of the other, other decks is perhaps not as obviously, but as you can see, I mean, just in the breakdown of the LVO meta, yeah, the Marines are, are dominant, but there are definitely other factions that people are making calls on that, uh, they think have what it takes to win. Um, the LVO and Chaos and Eldari, and both of those have been big beneficiaries of uh, of Psychic Awakening. So I'd say let it keep rolling. And I know Grey Knights immediately are going to go from zeros to absolute heroes. Um, and uh, I think that continues. We'll see what happens with Tau. I mean, there's been some rumors out there about what's what's going to happen with Tau, if, if true. Looks looks like the future's bright there. GSC's in that book. So, you know, I think, there's, I think that's kind of the way it'll go. And remember back, too, to the beginning of 8th edition, uh, how pissed off people were with each Codex release about the armies that didn't have a Codex release. And yeah. and the fact that, you know, like Imperial Guard drop, and it's just like bananas power compared to everything else. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of upsetness about that. But as time went on, the other factions, you know, were able to catch up both with more bespoke rules for them and also with some adjustments via fact. So I think we'll see more Psychic Awakening, and then we'll see a new edition, and then we'll have a probably a more level playing field. Okay. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, patron Nathaniel wants to know, if you had to pick a faction that wasn't one of the Tier 1 competitive factions like Eldar, Chaos, or Space Marines, uh, to make the top 8 at Delvio, which Dark Horse faction would you pick? If you had to pick one. I would say the nid list that I've been talking about all episode that no one has brought, that would have been my pick. <laughs> um, since no one's brought it, I'm going to go with the 300 orc list, which some people had brought. Uh, my buddy Jeff 
I forget his last name. That's how close we are. And uh, Anthony Birdsong are bringing that. So, while I don't think it'll go the distance, that's my dark Jeff horse. Cool? I think he's no, no, he's running a more traditional list. list. Did you oh, say Bird, Birdsong brought the Grot list? No, no, no. Just 250 miles. Like 120 boys of 120 miles. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, okay. John, Forces of the Hive. I'm calling it. There's exactly four good rules in the Blood of Ball book for us, but they are good. So we didn't get the the Faith and Fury, but um, uh, I'm going Alex McDougal. He's he's going to do it. Ridge Runner Madness. All right. And then Val? I think uh, I think I like that call. Um uh, I, I think Nids again, and I just go by what I what I see people jabbering about. I feel like Nids have some play. Um, it unfortunately doesn't look like outside of Mr. McDougal, who will never abandon them. He's kind of like the Rich Kilton of of Nids. He'll always play them. Um, if someone can find the jank that'll work, I've, you know McDougal's got a good chance. He is the podcast nemesis. Um, but what the hell? I'm gonna say Richard Kilton as opposed to Anthony Birdsong because I love that man. And I assume he's running a lot of models too, although I haven't looked. Um, I th- I think I think that we'll probably get uh, Astromel Terum, Brandon Grant. Stop it. He'd be my only Dark Horse faction pick. Ble- I'm thinking about a little bleak thoughts of the top eight, but yeah, if you're going to see one, oh, I think... You know what? I, I want to amend my answer, actually. I'm going to go with Andrew Gagne with Sisters, even though he's got a little bit of Space Marines in there. Ooh. It's a controversial one, but I'll, I'll accept it. Can we it. count that one? Oh, sure. Well, we'll, we'll count it a half. So you get you could answer question, the question one and a half times. Did no one mention Brian okay. Pullen? No one mentioned Brian Pullen. <laughs> oh, wow. I forgot Tat was a faction. Yeah. I like I don't, to pretend that Tat don't exist. Yeah. No, okay. So next question. Uh, patron Paul wants to know, um, there's four lists that have three Lords of Skulls in them. Uh, how much will these skew lists mess up the top 100 tables? They're incredibly annoying to play against. So back to the Lord of Skulls again. I'm gonna go with not at all. Hmm. Like I mean, they're not to say they won't win any games, but they—I don't think they have any say in the top eight. Thank you, Nick. All right, moving on. Next question. Uh, Patron Christian wants to know if Space Marines would win LVO, which chapter would win? I'd say Iron Hands. Uh, Just say it. Yep. I would be remiss to not say White Scars as I sit here painting my White Scars, but I do think, like, statistically, it's Iron Hands. I mean, we'll, we'll have to make that unanimous. Uh, it's got to be Iron Hands. I mean, they're, they're half of the largest faction that's coming to the event, so that's statistically probably the most probable option. Uh, patron Jake wants to know, which style of list do we feel would perform better, a balanced list or a skewed list? Um, and then close combat balanced or close combat skewed or shooting lists or shooting skewed. Basically, what kind of list would do we feel would perform better at the LBO? I like shooting balanced. Um, if you skew too hard into shooting, like what I think um, Manny Chima uh, has done, um, while he probably will go top eight just because of his strength as a player, um, the skewed shooting, it just has that chance of it not working. If you do your one thing so well, if that's not the answer in a given game, you didn't bring any other answers. Um, I, I like the the skew the balanced shooting. That's a very good shooting army. Maybe not quite as overwhelming, but has something else like a lot of inherent durability or a good melee threat. What I tried to accomplish with my list, uh, that would be my answer. Yeah, I would agree. I would say whether or not it's pure shooting or pure melee, it doesn't matter. It won't work. It needs to have more to it. 
whether or not it's a shooting army that has melee options or speed or durability, or it's a melee army that has shooting options or speed or durability. Uh, that just depends on style and what makes sense for the meta at the time. But definitely a more balanced army should always be a smarter pick than a skew army. Okay, I agree. Um, I think that a lot of the best lists that I've seen so far have a little elements of everything. Um, okay, next patron question is, uh, uh, can you ask Adam Camilleri, who was not on, unfortunately, why he hates Australia? He went to LVO to practice for his ETC, but is now shoutcasting instead. Adam's not here to defend himself. However, he did cancel on the show at the last minute. Whether intentionally or not, still makes me like him a little less. So we're gonna have some laughter at his expense. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak uh, I'm gonna speak for Adam here. I think uh, from the drone's eye view, he will have a much better angle on what's working and not working in the meta today. He's gonna be able to see some of the best players on the planet firsthand at all times. If there's one guy who's gonna be able to scout your opposition, it's the guy in the booth on Stat Center, the Ocho. I don't think Australia needs to worry that he's not putting his talents to good use. He's going to be working real hard out there. He's going to learn a ton about what's going on in 40K. So chill out, Australia. <laughs> as long as you keep the video feed of him live shoutcasting with Paul Murphy out of his gaze, because he might just stare at himself all day instead. you got to watch <laughs> out for that. Just flex the whole time? Just, just eyebrow. Uh, anyways, uh, next question. Paul wants to know, uh, same patron, Paul. John Lennon will win. Um, so this is a question. It's not a question, Paul. Uh, John Lennon will John, what do you think? Uh, to John Lennon will... Who do I think will win? Pa- Paul Paul said his question is John Lennon will win. That is his question. Okay, with a period, no question mark? No question. It's, it's a really... We phrase questions a little differently over here on the West Coast. Well, I don't think it's a question at all, honestly. Uh, I, I disagree with you. If it's not me, it's one of my Brohammer clones with the exact same list. Oh, that's that's John Lennon's gonna win no matter what. John Lennon so is wins. this is this uh, Nick? Is this shades of of whatever that that basement jam session with uh, with uh, Beast Coast that went down? I guess two years ago when you won the LVO. Is this is this shades of that? Do you think? With, with with them all coming out with the uh, same it, list? It, it might be. It might be. So we actually tried that again. Me, Nick Rose, Chester, and Pampreen kind of got together and had a basement jam session to try to do exactly what Brohammer did. And we all ended on four different lists. So <laughs> it might not have been as successful this time. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Next question. Um, do we? What are our thoughts on a double gargantuan squigoth loaded with a flash gets list? Oh, damn. Um hmm. I'll take this one, guys. Uh, not good. Um, <laughs> it's all your as an owner of two gargantuan squigoths, uh, they got no keywords, so they're just going to die. They're going to die to stalker bolt rifles. They're just going <laughs> to die. Val, you're missing the best part about them. They have no keywords. They're not vehicles. They don't die immediately. Oh, well, maybe maybe that brings the big squig back. Maybe, maybe they, they do have relevance. Key- the keywords. So not- all the keyword crap that space marines have, it doesn't work on them. I'm changing. I'm changing my 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 list. I'm going Stampa two big squigs. There you go. Perfect. Boom. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that's, me back. And that's why edge. you're gonna go undefeated at LVO, Val. You really Did are. Say again. And that's why you're gonna go undefeated at LVO. I will be undefeated at LVO. That's guaranteed. That's what I'm saying. It's because you're switching your list to Swigos. Well, I'm just not playing. That's the best way to do it. 
Well, I mean, you're still switching with the squid right? <laughs> I, I, That's a lot to bring on a plane. Each one is like 40 pounds. Just walk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, patron wants to know, can you describe how disappointed you are that you can't use the new granite rules at the LVO? The new what? I'm happy to. I I'm personally could not care less. Oh, well, there you go. That's a future Nick problem, and future Nick does not deal, or present Nick does not deal with future The new Nick what? Problems. The new what? Grey Knight rules, like Paul oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not disappointed. Um, I'm still angry about 5th edition. <laughs> there you go, John. Well, you played Tyranids in 5th edition, right? So, oh, yeah. You know, force weapons why. on every model. Eternal Warrior had just gotten taken away at like, the same time that they gave them force weapons. It was terrible. Like, I also wasn't a good player at the time, so it, it was just worse and worse. I just just got run over over and over. I would just be going own three at every RTT because everyone else fought Grey Knights, and I was you know, a, a high school student, and I, I owned Tyranids. That was it. So I just showed up and went 0-3. It was great. Screw uh, uh, Grey Knights. I hope they get nerfed. <laughs> Look at that comeback story, though. I went 0-3 in 5th edition. Now he's top 5 of ITC. That's true. With Space Marines. <laughs> With Space Marines. at the Art of War will do for you. Uh, patron Aiden wants to know, do you folks think the new Sisters Codex is genuinely competitive? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it looks really good. Um, what? Uh, next question, Patron Mark wants to know, what does Nick Nautavati think of Mega Knobs? <laughs> oh, <laughs> a targeted question. Uh, Mark Deal. I don't know who you are. I don't appreciate your questions. <laughs> can I PayPal you and join the Patreon right now so I can ask Nick a question? Yeah, of course. There's you so many ways free. you could pay to ask Nick a question. Uh, you you can literally just ask me. You're here. Uh, <laughs> do you? What do you think about Dark Angel Vindicators? Just like theoretically. All right, guys. I think it's getting late. <laughs> I think I'm gonna head out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um. Uh. So TJ wants to with a good question. Uh. John and Nick. Um. What lists are you scared of playing with your lists? So. Um. This might be a little insider information. Um. But no, neither of you are afraid. So Nick and John, if you, ha- I think Nick already, I think it might be three hundred gods for Nick. But anyways, what are some, what are some that no one's that you're afraid of? Genuinely, Adelvio. I I genuinely don't want to play the Brohammer list. It's it's pretty horrifying. Also, Malik's list is gonna probably just table me, so that feels great. And a well built, well played Elder Army is gonna be uphill. So. Feeling great, guys. Feeling Sounds like great. you really limited your bad matchups. Yeah, yeah, feed me chaos, though. Come on, I'll take six chaos and a six no clean. Uh, I'm gonna flip that. Um, I'm I don't want to play chaos, but I'll, I'll take just about anything else. Um, I don't really want to play Manny. Like I want to play Manny, but I don't want to play his list. So you know, if he could like just change his list again, um, I would play him. But I don't really want to play him right now. And then uh, there's what 26 possessed players, right? So I just need uh, to play. Uh, yeah. There's 775 people that I can play. So that's great. Yeah. It's about 500 for me, so I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Patron Vince wants to know, um, do we think more people switching over to Space Marines uh, and changing gears uh, is going to mean that we end up seeing rules mistakes by experienced players more often or not? Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Um, and then uh, he, he has a lot of like a follow up question. Should we expect to be seeing more or less variety in the types of lists played within factions? Uh, is the state of the meta leading us back to certain must take archetypes or cookie cutter lists within factions other than space marines? Um, and then how do we bring that variety back to the meta if that's not if that is the case? So, like I said earlier, I think we're seeing within faction a lot of diversity. So like there's like seven or eight space marine archetypes right now uh, because not every Iron Hands list looks the same and things like that. You're seeing uh, probably two chaos lists really, three Eldar lists. So you know it's not horrible diversity within your faction. Right on. Uh, Patron Jesse wants to know what our thoughts are on dice apps. I love them. Well, there's the, the best dice app no longer exists, sadly. I actually so. still have the Games Workshop dice app saved on my phone, so I can't oh, yeah. update it. Me too. But, me too. Um, I have it. No, no one has objected to me using it yet. So is it, does it have the black dice, though? No, it, 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 it operates fully. Like You can see every dice. It looks just like it did before. Like I'm told that it went away, but I still see it here, and it, it rolls. Yeah. Do you have because I never update my apps. I still uh, got it. It's like an iPhone five or four. Or... Yeah, that's probably why. Yeah, <laughs> it's not an it's not an X. You know, not a triple X Apple Miss phone. Or... <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, patron Josh wants to know. Eighth um, edition was probably its most balanced in mid two thousand nineteen, which I agree with. Before the release of Marines, are you disappointed that the biggest event in forty k history has missed out on also being one of the most balanced events in forty k history? And are you worried about the negative image of Space Marine dominating field may have on new players? Um, yes, yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm bummed that that the LVO was. I, last year it was cool to say that every faction had a representative that went five and one. This year I cannot confidently say that will happen. I don't think that will happen at all. I think we'll definitely see some factions that just don't even come close to being five and one, which is a huge bummer. Um, which one? And then uh, probably Gene Circle. That's, that's okay. Uh, well, Val. G- I don't think we'll see a five and one Gene Single player at the LVO Val. I don't think we saw a five and one Gene Single called player last year at the LVO. Hey, hey now. We told right here. <laughs> were, were you? Were you five right and one? Here. You're joking. Okay. <laughs> but uh, right. we we every faction was represented at the LVO as five and one. The only one that wasn't represented in its own army as the primary faction was Blood Angels, uh, which got represented as an ally, kind of. There was a five and one Dark Angel player yeah. there. Oh yeah, there was a five and one Space Wolves player too. Anything can happen in Vegas. No, this is my plan for winning LVO next this year. Yeah, I'm just gonna be that yeah. guy. Go ahead. Uh, but that was last year. Last year was a lot more balanced than this year. Um, uh, you know. I anyways, think, I think the power of there being, uh, you know, and there's even more people there this year. You know, you just to get to that N one game. Like if if you just hang out at the lower lower end of the of the of the win win column, uh, or if you lose your first game, you can go or or, or an early game. I think like skill will make up a big gap um, for a lot of those factions. I wouldn't be so doom and gloom about it. And as as I said before, I think it's not. I I, I mean I was saying some shit about um, you know maybe there'll be a very large drop rate for the LVO that didn't pan out which is awesome I mean if people are uploading their lists that to me that's like an RSVP to me uh, it means they're showing up we're gonna have an LVO that's significantly larger than last year on day one mm-hmm. um, you know I think um, the marine meta is exciting for the people who enjoy playing marines and it's clearly exciting for a lot of people who want to try and counter marines I think I think they're gonna win um, but I also don't think it's as bad as it was, especially knowing that each new Psychic Awakening is dropping a lot of rules and uh, giving people hope. So 
I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's as bad I, I as I thought it was maybe even the, two months ago. The game has yeah. exploded I'm, I'm, I'm excited the for, the, for next season. And I, I think in the long term, the Space Marine Winter, or the this, whatever you want to call it, is will be more of a blip on 8th edition than an actual thing. However, um, I am a little worried about the long-term optics uh, that people have towards 8th edition. Um, and I, 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 if there is a 9th edition, which I agree with you, I do see the writing on the wall as well. Um, I think that it couldn't come sooner. So, Anyways, um, John, did you have anything to add to that? No, that, that sounds about right to me. Um, Space Marines are silly, but I, I think that they require a lot less nerfs than I would have told you a month ago. And it is nice to see that every Psychic Awakening um, has boosted almost every army up to that level. Um, I think Tyranids would be the one exception. But even then, like they've got a couple things going for them. Uh, and really, it's just that we're, we're skewed by the fact that uh, GW always leads off with Marines. So, you know, like the, the first month of 8th edition, I thought Space Marines were the best army in the game because they had a codex and no one else did. And I think that's really what's happening here. It just happens to be right at LDL. Um, <clears throat> all right. Next question. Uh, Peter wants to know. Uh, patron Peter wants to know. Um, can Alex Dougal McDougal make the top eight? Which I think we already answered. But also, how good are those Ridge Runners really in Alex McDougal's list? I have no idea. I'm gonna say good, but not great. They're definitely a meme list, like John said. You can win some games. You'll have a lot of fun with it. You can also just die. Because they're not that tough in space rings. You can just kill nine of them in one turn, depending on the list. So. They are. It is an entire army. No, there there is one model in the army that has a better than four of armor save. So it, it could just go terribly. I think like a Luda bomb, the old Luda bomb, could actually kill all nine just at one unit. <laughs> just one unit wipe out your whole army. Like, all right. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, the, the Rich Runners are only one-third of that list. Yeah, Let's not get right? But it, it is the characterization of that army, and if you lose the Ridge Runners because they just all died, really, like, what's the point of it? Yeah, you play it to make vroom vroom noises while you drive around the board. Mm, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Alex um, McDougal is, is like, right now, he's just doing push-ups, thinking about these words, and being like, oh. He's been doing push-ups for three weeks in preparation he's gonna, for this tournament. He's he going to run your stopped. Ridge hard. All right. Patriot Jason wants to know, is the mindset of having more bodies than they have ammunition the true answer to the shooty quagmire we are currently stuck in? So, is that... He figured out the gaunts! J- Jason Jason got it, Nick. It, he's, on, he's on the same page yeah. as me. But, like, why, so why isn't it happening? I mean, people have the models. Yeah? I think a lot of people didn't think of it, because they're so... Groupthink is real, right? So, if everyone's trying to think of the best marine list possible, it's hard to see past that. You're, you're trying to figure out how, what's the best marine list possible. Or also, like, play, that playing that many models on a clock is hard. It is. That's actually part of the reason I didn't want to do it. LVO is a marathon, not yeah. a sprint. And while I could probably, I have, ran through LVO last year uh, with orcs with 200 bodies, that was draining. I didn't have to play the seventh round on Saturday because I lost, but... Ideally, I would have to, unless I am so far ahead that I'm just winning the whole thing. Um, and that's, you know, I don't trust myself to play that seventh game at midnight with 300 bodies and perform. Because that's going to be a very hard game, right? Like, that's round seven. You're playing someone very good. Yeah. yeah. You're not coasting through. Yeah. So I didn't trust myself to get to that point and then continue to perform. Also, misery. It's misery. It's a separate issue. Yeah. 
All right. And then finally, patron Shannon wants to know, can an, in- in- can an international pull off an upset? And the next few years, could we see a 40K President's Cup? I don't even think it would be an upset if uh, the international. Yeah, I think internationals are definitely, like Manny Chima is the number one pick in our little draft right now. Um, I, I think, I mean, Alex Harrison won it a couple of years yep. back, so internationals definitely do have what it takes, and vice versa. Like, Jeff Robinson won the LGT Invitational the other year, and uh, America went across the pond last year and won the ETC. So I don't think that either nation, the European nation or the American nation, is particularly much better at 40K than the other. So really it's just one large tournament. The only thing is Europe has a handful of contestants in America. Yeah. Contestants in America I, has yeah. I will Almost say that... They are sending uh, some of their best, though. Yes. Um, they are sending their best, which is why it's a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, So I will say that... It would be an upset if we saw a like nothing but like if like imagine if no one on John Lennon's team, right? No one on Team Brohammer got made into the top eight, and it was nothing but Canadians and Australians and people from the UK. Yeah. That that would be well, a bit yeah, of an so upset. that would be that just would be like, domination because it's percentage based, yeah. right? So there's probably under 100 players. I'm being generous here that are international. Yeah. So for them to make up more than one player out of the top eight is statistically unlikely. Yeah. Although I could definitely see the top eight being dominated by like Mike Porter, Manny Chima, you know, Jim Vessel, uh, Matt Morsel. Is Mike Porter going? I don't know if he is actually. Uh, I don't think so. No, he's Damn. not. I spoke to him at ETC. He's still on vacation. Oh, man. Well, you know, family is important. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Alex Harrison. You know, you, you get what I'm saying, though. There's enough good international players now, especially coming to this LVO. I could definitely see an international dominated top eight. Well, or also, the. the, the... The ITC doesn't even capture the entire international no. scene. Neither does the ETC because it's only so many people get invited. But there are so many players that I guarantee none of you guys have ever heard of that I've only had the privilege to meet because I've gotten to go to ETC for six, seven years. And they they can compete with the best of us, no, no doubt in my mind. Yeah. So if they ever decide to pop the pot and come over to LVO, we're going to have a lot of dark yeah, if, they, if they were actually... Bigger thing I think would be if they ever suddenly gave a shit about a singles tournament. Uh, they, yeah, they, you know, like they the, the guys who grind for national squads for the ETC just put in so much work, and all they care about is that format because that's what they're working for. You know, so they they don't, you know, there's not a lot, tremendous amount of value a lot of times playing singles games for them. Yeah, I I, want, I do think that in the next two years we'll have someone come from the Spain the Spain tournament circuit uh, over there because they have such a huge following or somewhere in Latin America, Central America, South America, um, you know, come in kind of like a Matt Moore Soli type or someone who's just this phenomenal player that comes out of one of those regions. Scandinavia, um, the, the Swedes, I mean, if you look yeah. at Stat Center, like they are constantly running major sized events with like top yep. ETC players there. They've got lots of really good players. Last year, yeah, we actually there's, there's went a to really big a, a handful of us too. went to the Swedish person's house, uh, the Swedish captain's house, and just hang out for a practice weekend. Like, they are top players. Yeah. Yeah. And then, the, yeah, the non-English-speaking meta, by the way, exists. They're real. They're German. They're, they're Russian. Polish. Spanish. Um, Spanish. You know, the, we, we, we can't... We don't hear them. Poland and, and Germany have both had dynasties at yep. ETC. They both won three years in a row or something. So. And... Uh, Arguably, they're the strongest countries in the world, or at least they have been in the past. And the ITC mission pack has been translated to German and uh, Spanish very recently. Um, and uh, we're starting to see more events come out of there, which sucks for us because 
oh, we're going to die if there's even more tournaments to cover. But nonetheless, um, there are really, like, make no mistake about it, there are really, really good players out there um, uh, at, the, at, this, at that high-level caliber that, that could come and win the LVO for sure. Absolutely. All right. That is it for the episode, listeners. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, uh, Nick Nanavati, if anyone listening has not heard of you yet, where can they find you? They can find me over on The Art of War. We run our own podcast on the FLG network, so check that out. That's called The Art of War. Or you can find me and my team and my coaching services for list building and just 40K advice in general over on theartofwar40k.com. Perfect. John Lennon, other than the White Album and other various parts of your work, where else can people find you? Uh, people can find my podcast, Florida Man 40K. Uh, we're on Facebook, YouTube, and all of the various podcast streaming services. I'm not going to list them all. Uh, yeah, it's Florida Man 40K. Um, we started a couple months ago, so we're still uh, working out the kinks, I think. But uh, we really enjoyed it and just having fun. So come check us out. Mm, perfect. And you don't and have to pay. Course. You don't have to pay for that, by the way. Yeah, it's true. You don't have to pay for, <laughs> you don't have to... <laughs> you don't have to pay for any of these ones either. It's, it's absolutely nope. true. However, uh, he's talking about a different kind of payment vow. Oh, you it's know. that kind. Of, it's that fantasy thing again. Yes. Uh, anyways, Val. Yeah. Everyone knows where to find you. That's it. Moving on. No, like we have to say something very important. Forty K Stats Center the Ocho. Uh, we'll start broadcasting. Uh, maybe even Thursday night. Depends. I don't know what's going to happen there, but certainly starting on Friday, we are going to be doing wall to wall coverage in support of recent Frankie slaying it on the uh, on the Games Workshop stream. Myself, Paul Murphy from Forge the Narrative, Adam Camilleri uh, from now the Down Under Art of War Network. What is it? What is it? How did what did they brand it? Yeah, uh, so the Australian Art of War team is called Art of War. Art of War Down Under, pretty straightforward. Uh, obviously, Peter the Falcon Calissimo out with the mobile cam covering uh, all the tables that aren't on the GD- GW stream, which will have uh, 399 to pick from, I guess. Um, so it's going to be really, really awesome coverage. Uh, putting a ton of effort into it. Uh, please join us. You can find us on Twitch uh, as 40K Stats Center. Hop on there, give it a sub, and uh, we'll be trying to make this as loud as possible and give you the best. Uh, extended coverage that we can for the LVO in addition to the awesome stuff that Games Workshop's going to do too. Yeah, we actually have a new person added on to that crew too, and Tony. Oh, right. How well, could I forget? Tony, what a yeah. hero. It's it's growing. It really is. Uh, we might have a cameraman who's here local. Oh, I'm trying to get wrangled in. Uh, you know, he just asked, we were playing Magic at the Gathering at a store. And mm-hmm. he's just like, what do you do? And then I was like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a cameraman. <laughs> and I like, I was like, well, hold on, hold on. Yeah, I've got this convention going on. So that the the point of that story is that there's it is growing. We've got a high, medium high production value, uh, coming in. And more importantly, we're gonna have the best coverage that the LVO has ever had. I, uh, I would say that at the very least, there's very expensive production value. Uh, we'll see if it works out to quality on on stream. I think it will. Um, and uh, just I can't believe I didn't think about Tony. Tony is uh, on Reddit as uh, uh, Panda Pants. Is his oh, name? Oh, Tony he, is Panda Pants. He uh, he oh. posts a weekly update before before Stat Center. He was the guy who uh, was the only one out there grinding and, and spreading the gospel of what happened that weekend in 40k. So he's been a, like a key member of our team. He's uh, he's uh, subbed in a few times on Stat Center, and we casually bullied him into joining us at the LVO this weekend. So he'll be helping me, I think. Uh, sort of um, get all the talent in the right place 
and occasionally uh, pretend to be talent as well uh, alongside me. So we'll see be, what happens. Tony's going to be in Las Vegas. Tony is in Las Vegas. I think, I, judging by the screen cap, he bought the ticket tonight, and he'll be joining us. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, so look forward to that, everyone. It's going to be an absolute blast. If you've covered or if you've watched the LVO coverage in the past, uh, I guarantee you it is going to be better and bigger this year. Uh, we are very excited to bring it all to you. As always, you're the best listeners in the world. This has been another episode of Chapter Tactics, and I'll see you all after the LVO.